now, introducing a man who, when asked about the United States men's national team, channeled his inner Rosie Perez saying, quote, Sometimes when you win, you really lose. And sometimes when you lose, you really win. And sometimes when you win or lose, you actually tie. And sometimes when you tie, you actually win or lose, unquote. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark. He is Paul Valley. We have much to do on a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio coming up in just a bit. We're going to chat some Orioles. Ben McDonald joins us for the first time this season. I believe he did the broadcast yesterday with Scott, so we'll talk to him about that. We'll talk a little bit about D.L. Hall. Some various things to chat about with Ben McDonald here in a few minutes. Later on this hour, uh, our NFL draft segment for the week. This week, uh, our buddy Eric Edholm is going to join us with Yahoo Sports, get his thoughts on what the Ravens could end up doing with the number 14 pick. And then later on in the show, speaking of soccer, Taylor Twellman is going to join us, former U.S. men's national team and Terp star. We'll check in with him to chat about that. We also want to chat with him about, you know, we've talked with Sasha Sorovsky for years about his push to try to change the entirety of the college soccer schedule so that the season begins in the fall, then pauses, and then wraps in the spring and making it a multi-season sport. Sasha has been pushing for it for years, and we're only a couple of weeks away from the NCAA actually voting on whether or not to adopt the model and Taylor Twelman is a big supporter of it, and we will find out why. And that's all coming up a little bit later on in the program. Today's show is brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel Maryland and the FanDuel Sportsbook. You, of course, know how much I love the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. It is the place to be to hang out and watch all the big events, including the Final Four on Saturday, and we're going to be there once again on Monday for the National Championship game, and you need to come join us for that. Myself, Rodney Elliott, former Terp star, former Dunbar star, we're going to be there with great giveaways. In fact, I hear that uh, Great Eights memorabilia is providing us a few tremendous pieces of memorabilia as giveaways, some grand prizes for Monday night. I love that. All you got to do, come, hang out. You might say to yourself, well, hey, can I guarantee my spot? What I would do is email events at sportssocialmd.com. If you want to be there Saturday, if you want to be there on Monday night, if you want to be there for the Masters next weekend, there's always space, right? There's bar areas. There's You can always find some space. But if you want to guarantee a table or you want to guarantee um, a bunch of the reclining seats for you and your buddies, whatever it is, Email events at sportssocialmd.com, and that's how you can make sure you have your spot. We'll see you on Monday night for the title game. Myself and Rodney Elliott will be there with you in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. A few things at the top. One, yes, the U.S. does qualify for the World Cup. You know, they 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 knew that they all they they had to do was avoid disaster. They avoided. Mostly disaster. Yes, they lost 2-0. And yes, it's an issue that the U.S. can't score a goal away from the United States. Although, as I pointed out last night, you don't have to do that in order to win the World Cup. You can win the World Cup without scoring a single goal. It's a fact. Um, I don't think it's likely, and I probably wouldn't go about that route in trying to win the World Cup, nor am I suggesting that the U.S. has any chance to win the World Cup. 
Um, but it can be done. Technically, it can be done. You get three draws, you get into the, the knockout round, and you send all of them to penalty kicks, and you win the World Cup that way. Uh, you can technically do it. I just don't. I just don't recommend it. It is not a recommendation that I would make for you to try to go about winning a World Cup that way. Um, I'm concerned about it, but in context, right? The the first part is thank God they didn't fail to qualify for the World Cup again. Uh, there are other countries that are dealing with that problem. Cough, cough, Italy, where they've gone back to back World Cups without qualifying, despite the fact that they were literally the European champions two years ago, which is just a weird 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 bit um thankfully they're in and the bummer about it of course is for the casual fan for someone who's not really a soccer fan it's kind of a nice pleasant distraction in the summer right like you get to the summer and there's nothing really going on especially if the baseball team isn't all that good around here and you know basketball playoffs end, hockey playoffs end. You're like, well, what am I going to do? What do I pay attention to until football starts? And the World Cup comes along, and you're like, oh, this is very pleasant. Unfortunately, it's not in the summer. It's not until the fall when we don't really need a distraction because we're quite busy with football at that point. So that's the bummer about it for the casual fan this year. If you're not an ardent soccer fan, it is not going to be a summertime distraction for you because they're not playing it because they're playing it in the hellscape that is Cutter, they're playing it in the fall because they need to try to avoid it being 6,000 degrees outside. Nothing we can do about that. Uh, they made their choice. They decided to put a World Cup in just the hottest place on Earth. <sighs> got, a lot of, got a lot of thoughts. Got a lot of thoughts. Um, but that's the way it goes. So uh, the World Cup will not be until the fall, but the U.S. at least will be a part of it when it happens so it won't feel like there's this thing going on and it's, it's like I talk about normally with the Ravens and free agency where it's like Christmas morning is occurring and you're the only kid who walks downstairs and doesn't have a new toy. It's sort of the way that it felt for there to be a World Cup four years ago and for us to be like, wow, hi, hi you guys having this fun? This is cool. You know, like it just, hey, I got an outside looking in. I got a question for you. Mm -hmm. in, in a lot of these international competitions with all the other different sports, with baseball, with the NBA, et cetera, uh, and even hockey, the U.S. is one of the better teams. They're usually competitive. They have a chance to go win a championship. In soccer, in my entire life, they've never been good enough to even sniff. Because soccer I mean, is just not a primary sport in this country. Yeah, I just... It, it, I mean, it, I'd say a primary sport. It's becoming a primary sport. But we're playing catch-up with, yeah. with the global stage. For 30-plus I mean, years? Yes, probably. I mean, more like probably for 60-plus yeah. years. Yeah. Um, and it's going to... I, the, the the overwhelming likelihood is that it will never catch up. Our our mm -hmm. best athlete. It's not a conversation over the one. We we've done this for a million. Uh, I I I say this in the. Um, I'm not trying to be dismissive of what you're saying. No, I'm saying it's just not relevant to the the topic at hand. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, you know, it's the way it's going to be. Like, they're far behind every other country, and all those other countries prioritize soccer. Soccer mm -hmm. is what matters. Um, Number one sport in the world, I guess. Yes, the I get other, it. but the other countries that like compete in hockey are Russia and Finland and Czechoslovakia, which isn't a country anymore. The Czech Republic, or I think it's supposed to be called Chechia these days. Um, and can't those those countries don't compete for World Cups in soccer either? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this That's is fair. not a. That's fair. The, some countries just have sports that they're particularly good at, and others they're particularly not. Uh, that's the reality of it. 
for the most part. I mean, I'm trying to think of somebody who's really good at everything, and I don't know that I'm going to come up with that answer. Like, I just I, feel like, like England ain't great at basketball, you know? I just feel like soccer is like the one sport that the United States isn't good at. Um, I'd have to think more about that to see if there's another sport that the United States, uh, that it isn't good at. Snooker. I, mean, I don't know. How's that coming, by the way? That was your responsibility. Yeah, you maybe maybe lock it up. Lock it up, Valley. Lock it up over there. Um, I'd have to think about another. I feel like there was something that I was thinking about recently that I was like, why aren't we better at that? I feel like um, field hockey. We, 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 it seems like we should be really good at field hockey, but I think I remember correctly, we didn't even qualify for the last Olympics in field, field hockey. Field hockey is major, ma- basically a men's sport around the world, though. No, but I mean women's field hockey. Like, we're not good at it. We didn't make the Olympics the last time. That's crazy. Yeah, it's weird. It's super weird that we're not good at field hockey. Because That makes no sense. The state of Maryland itself is really yes, good at field yes, hockey. quite good. Man, the University of Maryland's always been very good at field hockey. The high school I, I went to won the state championship I, like 37 I, years in a row. I don't know why it is that we're not good at field hockey. I can't speak to it. I don't, I've never done any research on the subject. <laughs> but... I was like getting ready for the last Olympics, and I was like combing through to see what, if we had local Olympians. And I was like, "Oh, I bet there's probably somebody that played field hockey." Maryland's always been good at field hockey, but there's somebody that played uh, field hockey at Maryland who's on the Olympic team. We didn't even make the Olympics. Like, what the the hell? <laughs> How is that possible? It makes no damn sense. Anyway, more of the story is the U.S. is going to the World Cup. Uh, we'll talk to Taylor Twelman about it a little bit later on. No, I do not feel good about their chances of making any noise and that's always the qualification right like what do we believe to be successful uh in a uh, a world cup run i mean at this point winning a game in the knockout round would match anything the u.s has ever done in the world cup so you know it's it's not asking for a ton it just don't seem likely it i just don't see it with this team and their inability to score on the road but we'll talk about that a little bit more later on i shared something this morning that Spotrac shared. And I don't really want to spend another couple hours on Lamar Jackson and his contract this morning. I'll, I'd, I'd prefer not to. Um, but Spotrac shared out these numbers. If Lamar Jackson lets it ride, and remember, that was the conversation we were having with our buddy Greg Rosenthal yesterday, was the idea that the best thing, if you want to truly be free and, and do as well as you can do, the best thing that you can do is let it ride, go seven years, and get the free agency. Spotrack, uh, which is a, a source that's not perfect. I want to make that very clear. There are things that they get wrong from time to time, and this is a very difficult thing to do um, as you're trying to track down contract information from every team across the league. But they have been a pretty good resource over the years. Spotrack shares out, if Lamar Jackson lets it ride, here are his contract figures. In 2022, $23 million. In 2023, an estimated tag of $32 million. In 2024, an estimated second tag of $39 million, which would be a total of $94 million. Now, I point that out to say, and, but I, and followed up by saying, those tag numbers can change. There are more quarterbacks that can get contracts that can impact those numbers. So I would need to know what Spotrack's estimation is. Are they using it based off of current quarterback contracts, or are they estimating what the numbers might be? Because keep in mind... The likelihood is that even the contracts that are structured would likely not have the money up front necessarily for some of these future deals. But the total of that being $94 million. And as he points out, here's the actual cash amount that quarterbacks will be getting during those three years. 
Dak Prescott will only be getting $85 million. So Lamar Jackson, by going this this way, would get more than Dak Prescott. Josh Allen, however, will be getting $105 million. Patrick Mahomes will be getting $107 million. Matthew Stafford will be getting $120 million. Deshaun Watson will be getting $138 million. And Aaron Rodgers, $150 million. Which goes back to my point. Which is you can keep saying... In order to, by the way, Mike Tannenbaum is going to join us tomorrow, who thinks Lamar Jackson is being brilliantly smart. We can keep saying, and I don't think even he's saying that he should go this route, the the two tag route. We can keep trying to compare it to Kirk Cousins, but part of the Kirk Cousins problem, we keep trying to make Kirk Cousins seem like a genius. He didn't have a choice. Washington didn't want to sign him to this type of contract. He wasn't brilliant. Yes, has Kirk Cousins managed to make more money than Kirk Cousins is probably worth? I don't know. I mean, I think he's made exactly as much money as he's worth. That's the nature of the quarterback position in the NFL. You have to have one, and there aren't 32 great ones. You got to have a good one somehow, and for a while people thought Kirk Cousins was a good quarterback, and he certainly put up good numbers during his career. Has he always come short in the biggest games? Yes, unquestionably. He has always come up short in the big primetime and playoff games, other than the one time he found Stefan Diggs. But we can keep doing this all we want, and we keep trying to make it seem like there's something there. There's no there there. All you're doing is giving up money you could be making in the hope that you can make more money in the future. Whereas I keep saying, when you have the leverage, you can always make more money in the future. And it's the thing that nobody wants to talk about. It's like it's some sort of taboo. Even my buddy Greg Rosenthal's like, well, you know, you don't want to you don't want to be that guy. Your teammates might not like you. I promise you. There isn't actually a player that has any issue with you trying to get as much money as you possibly can. Because you know what they want to do? Get as much money as they possibly can. And the guy that would be the pariah would be the guy that calls you out for trying to get as much money as you possibly can. That's the guy that gets sneered at in the locker room and is unpopular. Because that's the guy that's working against the general interests of the players. The interest of the players is get as much money as you can. And you might say back, well, the teams only have so much money to spend, so if they give you more money, that means someone else doesn't get theirs. They're not doing that deep of thinking, man. Because there's always another team that's got money. They can get it from somebody. What you're having is a separate conversation about the quarterback bubble and what it's doing and whether or not the Players Association at some point feels the need to, to try to fight about the quarterback bubble. But it's money, and it's money that's being spent by teams on players, so I don't think they're going to. You can always get more money. You can get money now and then. Deshaun Watson just did it, and he hasn't played. All you're doing right now is trading off and taking less money. Now, again, as I keep saying, that's Lamar Jackson's right. 
whatever he wants to do. Or if he's not being offered a fair contract, a market caliber contract by the Baltimore Ravens, as I always say, I don't know why he hasn't demanded a trade, but that's his right. All of these things are his right. Lamar Jackson has the right to do whatever he would like to do, and I high-five him. It's our response that makes no sense. It's the thing where we try to make it seem like he's so smart. He's leaving tens of millions of dollars on the table. Potentially. Potentially. We don't know exactly what a deal would look like. We don't know exactly, as I said, how these numbers might change. But on at the surface level, we know there's no way it can be equitable. The number is never going to get whatever these tag numbers go up to because he's got it. He can't do anything about $23 million this year. There's no way those tags can make up for the money that he's losing this year. There's no chance he can make more than this figure, than the $94 million figure that Spotrack is estimating. But he can't make up what he could be making. That cannot be done going the tag route. And then obviously there's the risk factor that goes into it, and that's not nothing. I, I am people that try to overstate that and say, well, he is at more risk because of his style of play than anybody else's. That's not true. That's a lie, and that's been proven over and over and over again, and we have all the data that says that that's incorrect. But there's still a risk the way there is for any quarterback. The way there's a risk for Patrick Mahomes, the way that there's a risk for any quarterback could get significantly hurt and at any point, the Alex Smith type of injury. And that's a real thing. So there's definitely still risk involved. You can't make it make sense. We want to seem like we're super smart, but this ain't hard. And it doesn't mean that Lamar Jackson is making a mistake by not having an agent. It doesn't mean that Lamar Jackson has to take a contract. He can do whatever he wants to do. He's an adult. He has every right to do what he wants to do if he really, in his heart of hearts, doesn't want to sign a contract until he's won a Super Bowl because he doesn't feel worthy of it. That's his right. I, Glenn Clark, think it's nuts, but it's his right to do it. And he doesn't need to sign. If the, what the Ravens are offering is a, is a bad, not fair market deal, he doesn't need to sign that either. But we can't make it make sense, no matter how hard we try. We can't. It cannot be done. I know we like fighting on the Internet. I know we like trying to prove how smart we are, all those things. But we can't make this make sense. And those are... Very interesting numbers that were shared this morning by Spotrack. Anyway, today's show is also brought to you by our friends at the Baltimore Police Department. They're looking for some folks. A lot of people talk about um, you know issues that that plague our city, and the thing that they never say is what What are you doing about it? Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. From Tony. Tony gets in this morning and says, uh, Glenn, are you, are you sure that you wouldn't think that maybe it's best for the U.S. to try to win a World Cup without scoring? I'm not sure that it's the best strategy to attempt to score in order to win a World Cup. I get it. I enjoy shtick. 
hey, hey, ho, ho. I get it. I get it. Look, man. I, I don't I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to explain the fact that the U.S. can't score on the road. And, and again, to be fair, these aren't going to be road games in the World Cup. They are neutral, and who knows? It probably depends on who the opponent is as to how many fans there are for each team in the stands. I couldn't possibly tell you. And what that impact that has. Again, I'll try to ask Taylor. It's weird. It's weird how significantly different it's been for them in terms of trying to score goals at home versus trying to score goals on the road. Particularly because home isn't the same place. I mean, one thing if like your home games are all played at the same place. If you're playing all the home games like in Columbus and you're just really comfortable there. They're playing home games everywhere. And yet they can score there. Can't score on the road. Really weird bit. All right, let's talk a little baseball this morning. Uh, our first opportunity this season to catch up with a man that you watch on Masson. And, of course, uh, he's a, also a college baseball guy as well. He is one of our favorites. He is former Orioles pitcher Ben McDonald. He's back with us now here on GCR. Ben, it's Glenn and Paul. It's always great to catch up, my friend. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, I'll tell you what, always good to talk to you guys. And, uh, man, glad to be back in Baltimore. You know, called the game yesterday by remote, yep. of course. And we're going on off day today, and we'll call another one tomorrow. And so, yeah, man, my first look and put my eyes really on. I've been watching a little bit whenever I could between the college baseball. I'm the first time I put my eyes on the Orioles yesterday. And so that was exciting. And, look, what, opening day, what, like eight or nine days away, man, for the Orioles. So I'm excited about this year. I really am. All right, Ben, tell me what it is specifically, uniquely, that you know there are, there are Orioles fans who are sitting back and saying, ah, they're just going to be bad again this year. We're not even going to see Adley Rutschman on opening day because he's banged up right now. Like, ah, you know, you know that there are fans like that that exist at the moment. So tell me what, well, it is no that, what it is that you're excited about and what they maybe should be a little bit more excited about when it comes to this team. Well, I think the the one thing that excites me the most is you know, we got a pretty good look at the future. You know, and we've been talking about that. And I know that that doesn't help what happens at the big league level. I get that. Because, look, I'm a fan like everybody else is. And I've been calling games here for, what, eight or nine years now and a lot the last three or four years. And, look, it's tough. As a fan of the Orioles, it is tough to see them get beat over 100 times a year sometimes. You know, that, it's a hard pill to swallow. But when I see a D.L. Hall and I see a Grayson Rodriguez and I see a Kyle Stowers and I see a Gunnar Henderson and I see a Jordan Westberg and I see these young guys that you know are top prospects in the organization and some of the tops, obviously, uh, in all of Major League Baseball, I see the silver lining here. While it's been very difficult to watch the last few years, I also see a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, and I'm excited about that from our younger guys and what we got to see in camp this year and what's coming forward. Having said that, I think there's some great storylines out there at the big league level this year. I mean, obviously the year that Cedric Mullins had, right? Can he approach that again this year? You know, John Means, you know, will he put together a healthy season this year? He's one of the best pitchers in baseball, obviously, the first half of the season. Uh, you know, Anthony Santander, you know, Trey Mancini coming back from colon cancer and what kind of year is he going to throw up this year? Austin Hayes, can he stay healthy a full year at 22 home runs last year and still spend a little time on the aisle? So I think it's some some wonderful storylines out there. But I think most fans are looking forward to, obviously, Adley Rushman coming up, obviously Grayson Rodriguez coming up, potentially D.L. Hall, maybe Kyle Stowers later on, and getting a glimpse of the future. I think that's what most people are excited about. Yeah, and I think one of those names in particular, you bring up D.L. Hall, and, it, and it's weird, right, because we're clearly we're not going to see him to start the season. He did get sent back down. But 
boy, there's there's a lot of talk about his stuff and and that his stuff is arguably big league ready right now. And even Mike Elias said it, he might not be down that long, right? Like he might be here sooner than you expect. And yeah. you know, of course, there's some injury issues there, and and you still want to see him consistently throw strikes, but. Then I, I feel like that, you know, with Grayson Rodriguez sort of waiting in the wings behind that, I feel like that is so important for everything the Orioles are doing because you can look and say, hey, the pieces might be there, um, you know, lineup-wise and in the field that you can put together that type of team. But I think we're still struggling with do you have enough pitching there? How important is someone like D.L. Hall for you as far as whether or not the Orioles are going to be able to make this rebuild work? Well, I, you know, I think you can do it from your nucleus uh, in some ways. And what I mean by that is, you know, D.L. Hall, the stuff is just electric. I mean, you mentioned it. He came in the other day, look, and throw, he threw a couple fastballs at 100 miles an hour from the left side, you know, and the wipeout slider to go with it. Grayson Rodriguez, the number one pitching prospect in all of baseball. So I love those two arms. And look, I'm hoping at the end of the year that we got – and let's not forget about Kyle Bradish. Kyle Bradish is number three prospect in the Oriole organization, and he was outstanding in spring, struck out five and in four innings, did not allow a run. So my hope is in September this year, we're going to see a rotation of John Means, Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. Now, if we see that, man, that's something to get excited about. That says something for the future to go along with some young position players. Now, having said that, guys, you know this. It's the American League East where the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the Rays all get better every year by free agency. We have seen that happen again. We see it happen at the trade deadline. They get better. The question for me for the Orioles is, are they going to go out and put this team over the top? Because you can only get so far with your nucleus. And I will tip my hat to Michael Elias. They have done a wonderful job injecting talent into this organization. But you still got to go out if you're going to compete, in my opinion, in the AL East, and you got to nab a couple of big-time free agents out there. I, the question is, is when do you go do that? Right. You know, is, is this time next year or next this coming offseason, is that the time to put the Orioles over the top and really go nab a couple of big-time guys? Because you guys know this. Look, this AL East, man, it's not like competing in the AL Central. It's nope. not. It's nope. a totally different animal. It's like I always tell people it's like playing football in the Southeastern Conference. Like, you can't be kind of good at compete. Like you got to be really good if you're going to stay up with Alabama and Florida and Auburn and LSU's of the world every year. You got to be really good. Well, that's the case here in the American League East. So that's the million dollar question for me: is at what point in time do the Orioles really go out until like they have a real shot of winning and go and grab some big time free agents? As Ben mentioned again, they're back on tomorrow one o'clock when the Orioles take on the Phillies on Masson. And if you live elsewhere in the country, that broadcast is also going to be available on MLB Network. So you'll be able to see it there as well. Ben's with us here on GCR. Ben, what you alluded to there, is there is there an amount of progress, right? Is there something this season that can give you that answer? Like, what do you feel as though, I don't know whether it's a certain number of wins or there's just some sort of line of demarcation that'll say to you, okay, now I know, next offseason is the offseason. You need to go spend money. You need to move in the next phase of this. Is there anything... You know, can you gauge that by something that happens during the course of this season? Yeah, and I think it may not be something you gauge so much at the big league level. I think it may be something you gauge. In other words, you mentioned D.L. Hall. Can D.L. Hall stay healthy? He had that stress reaction in his elbow, missed all of the season last year. Does he stay healthy the entire season? Does Grayson Rodriguez continue to grow and be a guy that we can certainly count on to be in the rotation this time next year? Does Kyle Bradish continue to develop and has actually has a shot of being – 
in the rotation next year, too. So I think I'll be looking down in the minor leagues to see how those guys grow, hope that they actually get an opportunity at the big league level, and see how well they do to start getting their feet wet and learning a little bit. I think also the Jordan Westbergs of the world, the Gunnar Hendersons, how well do they continue to develop down in the minor league system, too? Because that will give you an idea. Because Michael Elias has always said, look, we want these guys to go through every level. We want them to have success at every level. When they do that, then they're ready for the big league. So if these guys like the Kyle Stowers and and certainly a Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg, for sure, who was a college player for Mississippi State, if they do well this year and stay healthy, I think that opens the door for them for next year as well. So that's kind of what I'm looking at as a whole. Also, you know, I'm looking at – there's some other good stories. Tyler Wells is a great story. You know, a Rule 5 pick last year was the closer really for the year. Now it looks like they may be starting to put him in the starting rotation this year, you know. So I'm going to be watching that storyline because he's also a guy – I mean, you think about that that lineup. You think about running John Means out there and Tyler Wells all of a sudden. It's maybe toward the end of the year you throw Gunnar Henderson or um, Grayson Rodriguez out there along with D.L. Hall. I'll tell you what, it's a pretty special starting – you know, starting rotation, if that if that really would transpire here late in the year. So it's going to be a fun year. I, I don't know the Orioles are going to win a ton of games. I don't think they're going to be a 500 team. This year. Right. I just don't think that's going to happen. But you, you hope you continue the development at the minor league level and we get a peak. And, and let's keep our fingers crossed. Adley Rutschman is coming, guys. I hope he'd make the team out of spring training. But, look, he's one of the most exciting young stars in the game. And to have him up, let's hope, by May, sometime in May, I'm guessing, I think it's going to be a fun year for the Orioles. Certainly more exciting than what we've had in the past. Ben, how do you how do you gauge that? You know the expectations are through the roof for Adley Rutschman, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know that if, if he's not, like, the MVP of baseball, there's going to be someone who's going to say, well, I, I thought he was going to be better than that. You know, like, this is, this is what he's dealing with. He's being treated like some sort of baseball messiah. Um, right. h- how do we fairly measure Adley Rutschman when he gets here this season? How do we avoid doing the thing where we set him up for failure because our expectations are so out of whack? What is reasonable, knowing still how important he is to the Orioles' long-term plans and making this thing work? Look, th- that's a great question. And, and, and look, I, as you know, I had to deal with a lot of the same expectations, being the first pick in the country way back in 89 because the Orioles finished dead last. No doubt. In, ni- in 1988. And a lot of things were said about me, written about me. I remember I walked in the clubhouse in my first year, and Frank Robinson said, you got to win 20 ball games if we're going to compete. And I remember looking at Frank going, Frank, I just left college six months ago. I, I don't even know how to get big league hitters out yet, and you're telling me i got to win 20 ball games. But that was the expectations for me. So I can relate a lot to what Adley's going through. I would just warn the Baltimore fans, and they're some of the best fans in baseball, Adley Rutschman is not going to come in here and hit 40 home runs his first year. That's just not going to happen. Adley Rutschman's going to have to get his feet wet at the big league level and figure some things out. There'll be some ups and downs for him. There's no doubt about that. But Adley Rutschman is not going to be a huge difference maker. In other words, with Adley Rutschman in the lineup, the Orioles all of a sudden, that's not going to mean the difference in 20 wins on the season. It's just not. Having said that, he can be a big part. And if he lives up to what we think he can live up to, he's going to be a guy that plays in the big leagues for a long time. Now, does that mean he averages 30 homers a year, 20 homers a year. I don't know what that means. We don't know yet. But I love the fact that he's a switch hitter. I love the fact that from a defensive standpoint, he's as good as anybody that I've seen. I saw him play his freshman year in the College World Series. I saw him play his junior year. And I knew that from a catching standpoint, he was ready to catch the big leagues when I saw him. Sure. I think the bat really came alive last year. And him being a switch hitter and the way he handles a pitching staff, 
he's going to be a big difference maker. There's no doubt. But we're going to have to be patient with Adley and understand, you know, the light bulb flickers for a pitcher at the big league level about 150 innings under your belt. For a hitter, it's typically around 600, 800 at bats is when the light bulb really flickers. Now he'll he'll flash brilliance in between that, I'm sure, but. We can't put too much expectations on Allie. It is going to be, he is a big part of a puzzle, a big piece of that puzzle, but he's not going to make the difference in 20 wins on the season for sure. Is there anybody else that, that you, you know, that doesn't get the same amount of attention, right? And you brought up, obviously, a couple of these names, but is there, you know, a, a, a Mateo? Is there somebody else that you're looking at and saying, man, I, I'm really interested in seeing if this guy can make another jump and maybe someone that we aren't necessarily planning around as part of the long-term picture might prove to be someone. I mean, look, Richie Martin's had a hell of a spring, right? Like, yeah. it, it, is there someone like that that you've got your eye on in particular this season? Yeah, there's several guys that I'm really looking at, you know, and, and it's in the, in the infield. You know, you mentioned Jorge Mateo, a guy that's never really gotten a lot of big league at-bats in his career. He only had 170 at-bats last year, but yet he hit 280. Elite speed, we know that. He can really cover some ground. He's got a good arm. And I think this is a, another evaluation period for Michael Elias and some of these middle infielders. He's going to look at, do these guys really fit into the future of where we're going? And I think it's a big year for Mateo to see. I think R- Ramon Urias, right? I mean, right. Look, look what he did last year. First time he really got a lot of consistent big league at bats. He hit 280 last year, was able to play a couple different positions. So I think those two guys stand out for me more than anything to see if they really – fit into the future of the Baltimore Orioles because we know what's coming behind them in Jordan Westberg and we know what's coming behind them in, in, in Gunnar Henderson and those types of players and Connor Norby who was a second round pick last year the second baseman we know what's behind those guys so I think it's a big year for those guys in, in a lot of different ways you know we know what Torino's role is going to be this year it's going to be the to, to toodle a lot of way and, and you know to get Adley Rutschman going a little bit uh, can Anthony Santander bounce back and be the guy that he was in 2020, you know? And I think Ryan Mountcastle, y'all, I mean, I love Ryan Mountcastle. He's going to strike out. That's what he does. He's going to strike out a little bit. But I think the dude's got a, a big ceiling. I really do. I mean, he hit 33 home runs last year as a young player, just figuring this league out for the first time. And you remember the start he got off to. It was not a good start. Right. Yet he still – I mean, people – look, some of the media was asking Hyder in April. Like, do we, do we need to see No, that's a great point, down? yeah. Does he need to go down? And, you know, Hyder keeps saying, listen, he's a young guy. We're going to have these up and down. But you turn the numbers in, he's got 33 home runs. To me, he's a dude that's going to hit you 30 to 40 every year if he gets 550 at bat. So I like that dude. So, look, there's a lot of potential here, guys. But I will agree with you on this. I think the pitching is the key for the Orioles. And the Orioles have had the dead last ERA in all of Major League Baseball three of the last four years. There's going to have now moving the ballpark back, and that's a different subject. And changing left field, that's going to help a little bit. I'm not denying that, but I think still the pitching's got to get better. Uh, I think the bullpen's got to get a little bit more consistent. I love the prospects that are coming, but I still think, and I'm going to say this again, that the free agent market next year is going to be big for the Orioles to go hammer out some big time free agents. All right, let me let me wrap with those two real quick, Ben McDonald. Before I let you go, you mentioned the 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 wall moving the fences back. How significant do you think, like for for someone just watching the game at home, do you feel like we're going to be watching and like we're going to be like, wow, this is drastically different than what we're used to, or is it really still going to be largely the same thing, just maybe a couple of balls every now and then that end up going for doubles instead of home runs? Yeah, I, th- I think there's a couple of different ways to look at it, you know, and I think in one way it benefits the Orioles. And let me say this because 
Austin Hayes is going to play left field. He's really a center fielder. Left field, all of a sudden, at Camden Yards becomes the toughest field to play defensively because it's a lot bigger out there. If you'll go back to 92, Brady Anderson played left field when I was with the Orioles when we opened up Camden Yards, not because he wasn't a center fielder. He was as good or better than Mike Devereaux, but Johnny Oates felt like left field was a harder position to play at Camden Yards. It's really true now. And so Austin Hayes having out there, that's going to benefit the Orioles because he can really go and get it. It's going to save home runs. I mean, look, there's been some studies shown that it's going to, on a year, about 50 home runs is what it's going to save in a typical year out there between the two teams that are playing visitors and, and of course, the Orioles. But I think it, it puts a part of the excitement into the game now because you talk about saving 50 home runs, but some of those balls would land in the ballpark and all of a sudden we got doubles and triples out toward left center field. That's going to be a little different element as well to it. So we don't know exactly how it's going to play. I just know there's going to be a few less home runs, but there's also, I think, going to be a few more singles because now the left fielders will play a little bit deeper and the ball can drop in front and your ball gets in your gap. And you know, We never saw triples in left center field ever. We'd see them in right center field in Camden Yards, but you're going to see triples in left center field with that little nook, that little cranny out there. Now you're going to start to see some triples out that way too. So I think it's going to be exciting. It's different again. Camden Yards has stood the test of time. Look, 30 years, and to me, I don't say that because I work for the Orioles. I, I say it because I still think it's one of the coolest ballparks in all of Major League Baseball. And for me, it just makes it a little bit more different than everybody else. I, I, hear, I hear you. I just hate the jut in left center. I can't I can't hide from it, man. I hate the yeah, jut. Yeah, it's different. Look, I, I agree it. with you. And I'm a little bit concerned because if yeah. the left fielder runs out toward left center field, wide open right. space and a fly ball. Look, it is a corner there, dude. And, like, it, I, we're looking at the ballpark yesterday from the press box, and they're putting the padding on the wall. Well, right behind that six inches of padding is nothing but concrete. And I get worried that our left field or anybody's left field runs wide open to the gap out there. And, look, it ain't hitting – you hitting a corner back there where you've got nowhere to go. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. It's going to take some weird hops out there. We hope everybody stays healthy. But it's just something a little bit different. And I think it's going to be cool, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And then my last one for you, there's been a lot of talk about Trey Mancini and, of course, the Orioles going mm-hmm. to, to arbitration with him and – you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen, and I, I certainly understand that there are, are very emotional opinions to be had. But, Ben, what I keep coming back to is knowing you're probably not going to be able to get a ton for Trey Mancini in a trade. Look, most teams believe they have their own trade man, Trey Mancini. He's, his skill set is just typically not what's in demand as far as the trade market in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Is there something to be said for a young group of players – and what having a Trey Mancini around in the future could do for them as far as leadership, what that can do to set the, the clubhouse, is there something about that that could make him maybe even more valuable than just from a sheer baseball standpoint what we think Trey Mancini has to offer? Oh, I look, Trey Mancini's the salt of the earth. You know, and what that, what that guy went through – and battling his way back and putting together a full season. As a player, that's enough inspiration for me as a player to want to hang around a dude like that. I respect the hell out of him as a player just for that, right? It's kind of like when I was playing with Cal Ripken. You know, Cal went out there every freaking day to play. I didn't feel like I was taking a day off either because my leg was hurting, my arm wasn't feeling good. Like, you're playing next to the Iron Man, dude. I'm going out there every day. You know, that was inspiration for everybody to take the field. I think it's like that with Trey Mancini, you know, and – he is certainly a clubhouse leader. and He's a vocal guy. Uh, he's a guy that you love to have around. So he brings a lot of value to a young team. There is no doubt about that. You know. Now, having said that, 
because we're not having a, uh, you know, pitchers aren't hitting and we're DH across the league this year, it does open his value up a little bit more this year than what it has in previous years, where obviously only the American League had DH type players like Trey Mancini. And now he can go to any of the third 29, other 29 teams out there. So maybe it does open his value up. Personally, I'd love to see Trey, Trey Mancini stay, but I do get, you know, where baseball is and where the Orioles are right now. It's unfortunate about the arbitration thing. But, look, that's just the business side of things. That's the way I look. I went through the same thing, guys. I mean, yep. I, the Orioles took me to arbitration. And it's a very similar situation to where we had a, a, a 95 year that started late. And my arbitration case actually came up during the season here in Baltimore in April. And I had to go to an arbitration panel that morning and hear the Orioles tell me how bad I was and how I didn't deserve this money and all this kind of stuff. And here's the funny thing, guys. It actually happened on a day that I was pitching at home hmm. that night against Seattle hmm. and Randy Johnson. And here's the funny story. After I listened to him tell me how bad I was for two hours, <laughs> and of course Scott Boris gets up and, and does his spiel on my side, Roland Heeman, the GM at the time, taps me on the butt as we're walking out and goes, hey, go beat Randy Johnson for us tonight. <laughs> and yeah. Look, yeah, thanks, dude, Roland. Yeah. I threw a complete game. Randy threw a complete game. I think I got beat one to nothing, you know. And wow. so that was a hell of a day for me, you know, to get him tell me how bad I was. And then Roland taps me on the rear and says, hey, go beat Randy for us tonight. You can do it, you know. And so, what a weird. Was, but look, I didn't take it personally. It did hurt my feelings at the time when you hear people talk sure. about you like that. You're like, wow. But you understand that it is just part of the process. And so, I mean, look, I don't think there'll be hard feelings either way. It's just part of business. Ah, it's a weird. It's a weird sport sometimes, man. It's a weird it is, deal. It is. At real Ben McDonald on Twitter is how you follow him again tomorrow on Masson and in the rest of the country. You can see it on MLB Network as well. Uh, ben, always appreciate you, my friend. Love our conversations. Thank you for doing yes, this. Yes, sir. This Take care. Good talking to you. Ben McDonald checking in with us here on GCR. Great stuff from him. Fair, you know. I do appreciate that about Ben. I, I don't think he's just utterly towing company lines I, I think he's fair and acknowledges things and is is reasonable about them um you can't that alone does not a rebuild make of course today's show actually just a reminder right now you need to know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling for free and confidential services call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org all right, thanks again to Ben McDonald. Let's switch gears, as they say. And let's talk a little NFL draft now. Of course, we do an NFL draft segment every week, and it's been too long since we have last caught up with our buddy Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports, who's back with us now here on GCR. Eric, it's Glenn. It's good to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Yeah, good hearing your voice as well. Appreciate it. Thank you. Everything good in your world? Let's, what's, what's happening in life? Man, things are great. I mean, I this is draft season. This is sort of what I live for. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I, I do a lot, obviously, other NFL stuff, but uh, it's fun. There's a month ago. We're kind of honing in. There's still a lot of mystery here. I, I don't like the fact that it's snowing here in Chicago. I can, That's a I can weird put bit. That one aside, oh, but oh. other than that, I'm good. We're hoping that it's actually going to warm up around here. It has been unseasonably cold this week. It's been it was unpleasant. 70 yesterday. I don't understand this. Hey man, you know we we got a similar deal here. Like where where you you start to get lulled into the idea that it's spring, and then all of a sudden, like the moment you put away your big coats, and then the next yeah. day you wear like a like a long sleeve shirt or a, a windbreaker or something like that. Right. And it's thirty degrees outside. You're just like God, I'm, 
I'm an idiot. Why did I think this was going to be different? I was looking <laughs> at your prospect rankings, right? And, you know, obviously that's not a mock draft, right? It's just a pure right. list of, of prospects and, you know, they're, whatever team's needs are going to factor in there. But there's some things about it that I kind of like. And what I specifically like is that there's a dude that I'm in love with that you have listed as your number 14 prospect. And the Ravens just so happen to have the 14th pick. I I am fascinated by why it is that every time we see Jordan Davis do anything, <laughs> he just looks like the, the greatest monster we've ever seen on a football field. He looks yeah. like this just unstoppable beast Yet it's still like people are are desperately trying to find something to poke a hole in him about, and this is the reason why. But yeah, but you know he only played so many uh, percentage of the snaps at Georgia. Well, right. everybody played so many percentage of the snaps at Georgia because they had so many yeah. dudes. Why is Jordan Davis not more like I? I just what am I? Because I'm a dumb guy, Eric, and I and yeah. understand that you know I'm a dumb guy. Why is he <laughs> not more like one of the top five, ten prospects in this draft? Yeah, it's a fair question. I mean, obviously, when you have a, 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 a unusual physical specimen like that, right? You don't see guys six six, three forty who can move that way. I mean, they're just they're truly unicorns. And uh, I mean, you know, obviously, you guys know Peloti Nada pretty well, and, yeah, and he worked was out one all right. of those guys. And Don Terry Poe and and Vita Vea with the Bucks. I mean, they every four to five years we get one of those type of players, and to varying degrees, some of them are, are playmakers. Jordan Davis, in college at least, was not a playmaker. Some of that was scheme. He was asked to occupy two gaps. He was, you know, they ran an odd front, and he was. They basically said, "Your job is to sort of suck up two different blockers to guard in the center, whatever, guard in the tackle, and you're going to erase the opponent's run game." For the most part, he did that. He didn't have a lot of tackles. He didn't have a ton of tackles for loss. He didn't have a ton of sacks or, or forced fumbles or even fumble recoveries. So the playmaking aspect, it really is kind of a Rorschach test. Like, how much value do you put in a player who, even with all these amazing physical skills, may not be somebody who accumulates, he doesn't stuff the box score, you know what I mean? So that really is where it comes down to. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in 2020, he didn't look very good to me. I watched a couple of his games, and he looked sluggish. And if you ask him to play more than 40 snaps, you see a lot of huffing and puffing. You see some hands on the hips, but it's hard not to love what he can do in the right scheme in the hands of the right defensive coordinator, knowing, okay, well, that just frees up other people to make plays. Um, let me talk about edge rushers, because we're starting to sort of put some, some things with what the Ravens have done in free agency. Mm-hmm. It feels like edge rush, maybe still center, although they're talking that they think that center is going to be handled internally, but let's still talk about it here in a second, because there's a guy. Yeah. Um, but edge rush is kind of coming into to play. They did, you know, draft Adafi Owe in the first round a year ago, and like right. some things that we saw, but they still have a problem. They still have an issue where they have not been able to consistently get quarterbacks on the ground. They tried to sign Zadarius Smith. It didn't work out. Um, I'll start with Jermaine Johnson because it feels like he's a guy. Is it a scheme fit for Jermaine Johnson to be a stand-up edge rusher? Knowing And, and, and we're still trying to figure out exactly how it's going to be different with Mike McDonald. But is it a scheme fit with Jermaine Johnson and the Baltimore Ravens? It could be, you know, I mean, he, he's, he's a pretty athletic guy. I mean, I, I, I understand that he left Georgia because he felt he wasn't an ideal fit in that system. And if, you know, I mean, 
theoretically there could be some similarities to you know how how Georgia ran its fronts to what the Ravens could do. I mean, it's you know there's there might be some overlap, and so Johnson goes to Florida State. He's more of your traditional, you know, even front. Um, you know, he rushed for both sides, but you know played a lot on the strong side. Was able to you know either smash tight ends or or, or beat tackles around the edge. And boy, did he have a good Senior Bowl. <laughs> right. You know, every day it was like, are, are you just showing off now? Like you know every. It felt like, you know, the, the two days of practice that he was out there, he was probably the best player on the field there. So, I mean, yes, you could do you could do that with him. Um, is it a, you know, perfect fit where you're going to ask him to drop into space and he can be a, a Matt Judon type of player? I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like he's best going forward, but I do think he's instinctive and, you know, uh, aware enough to be able to handle some – dropping in short zones and, and doing a little bit of, you know, a more versatile role. I have this issue, Eric, because admittedly, I was enamored with the idea of a David DeJabo because yeah. you got the guy that knew how to make him work, right? Like, yeah, I, it exactly. seems like such a dumb guy thing to say, well, you've got his defensive coordinator, you should draft him. But, like, he literally was the guy that figured out a David DeJabo. So, yeah. I, I know that the injury, of course, changes where it is that you can draft David Ajabo, but it doesn't shake me from the idea that there's something sensical about that. Where is it? I know you've got him ranked in the 30s, but but do you start thinking about you know, moving back or moving up in the second round? Like where, where is it that you can think about David Ajabo now after the injury? Yeah, it really is a great question, and, and I've heard a few different answers when I've sort of posed that to you know, Midwestern scouts who know the player really well and maybe don't have as good of a, of a sort of purview of the, the, the wide draft landscape, although all those guys are in meetings and they've heard all the, the talk, and so I think they have a better idea now. Uh, and also, you know, scouting directors and you know, I talked to one assistant GM about him, and you know, and the thing is, what 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 a couple of them mentioned is that look, Ojabo was considered a bit of a, a project anyway, pre-injury. He was considered a raw player. Mm-hmm. Then again, Owe was too, right? You guys probably heard a ton of it last yep. year. One hundred percent. Somebody you need to. Yeah, this is a player that needs to be molded, and this and that. Sometimes those physical skills are just so rare that you can you can take a player like that and they may not fully know what they're doing, but they're just talented enough to get there and they're smart kids who are going to work and you know they they'll, they'll figure it out on the fly kind of thing. I suspect Ojabo would have been one of those guys before the Achilles. And what I worry about now is, of course, the Cam Akers factor. <laughs> he comes back in record time and. You know, now all of a sudden, well, the the the, the numbers have changed, right? They yep. can come back in, in, a, in yep. a shorter amount of time. Maybe he's just the exception of the rule. I don't want. I hope you know this doesn't isn't the kind of thing that that puts players because Achilles recur at a really high rate, from what I understand. You know, I I talked to Alabama's doctor about this and another sports medicine guy. It's 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 worrisome, you know. It's the kind of thing where you have one, you can have it again, right? Steve Smith did two on the same play. That's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. But he came back. He came back strong. Acres came back. It feels like we've come a long way in the last four or five years, and especially the last you know twelve months on this injury. So I would guess early second round if I had to pick a, a spot. So is is trading back an option? Is trading up and round in the round two range an option? I don't know, but you're right. That's a team that absolutely 
especially if they don't take a pass rusher at 14, let's say, that that would be a place where you could easily fit him in and say, yes, this makes great sense. He is Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports. He's with us here on GCR. Eric, again, as I mentioned, the Ravens say they're they're happy. John Harbaugh leaning towards Patrick McCary. They're talking internally for the center position. But, you know, Tyler Linderbaum is out there, and you've got him ranked 15th, which says to me, you know, the question I've been asking everybody, can you, is he really good enough that you can spend a 14th overall pick on a center? I'm, I'm assuming, based on the fact that you have him ranked 15 of all prospects, you would say, yeah, he's good enough that you could spend the 14th pick on him. I, is, it, is it the type – is he really the type of player that you're looking at and saying, if you draft this guy – You've just found your center for the next five, ten years. And even if you don't value the position, you've got a position locked up for some time. That's a pretty good way to spend a 14th overall pick. So, full disclosure, I, I've had a little bit of an issue with ranking. <laughs> we use a tool that, that kind of ranks them, and, and there's a bit of a glitch there. I didn't mean to have them 15th. Oh, work. <laughs> okay. Well, that's significant. A- Yes, it is. I'm, I'm, I'm furiously uh, trying to figure this out here. And so I am a little bit lower than that. He's in my 20s. Oh, and, that's, yeah. that's a mean, far different I conversation. It is, right. And that's why I didn't want, you know, I hope uh, I, didn't, I didn't throw you off completely there. But, yeah, I think he's a really good player. But there is a little bit of concern about the Garrett Bradbury factor. If, uh, Bradbury was taken 18th by the Vikings and had a very, very similar makeup, smart, highly athletic, undersized, you know, the kind of guy who, who's a mauler in the run game. You know, maybe a little bit of work needed in the pass protection area. Uh, mass, like big, burly uh, nose tackles can give them both trouble. There's a lot of overlap there. Bradbury went 18th. Vikings fans hate him. I hate to say it, you know, but <laughs> they felt like that was a wasted pick. Sure. I don't know that it's that you can say that yet. I don't want to get too much of the Vikings, but that's I, there's a little bit of a latent fear there in some evaluators. Like, first of all, you know, how important is center in the, in the, the pecking order position wise? Is it above guard? Maybe. Is it above tight end? Sure. Is it above safety? Maybe. Yeah. But not too many other positions where they'd say you have to have this beast inside. So I don't know. I, I'm a little bit ambivalent on him I, in the sense that I don't know that I would take him in the first 20 picks. That's just okay. my factoring in the player and the positional value. I think that anything above that would be considered a reach, even though I love the intangibles and love the player. And I just think that I would feel a lot better getting him 25 to 40 personally. I don't think he'll go that quite that low, but that's just, I think, where I would be a little more comfortable when you can get Cam Jurgens from uh, Nebraska mm-hmm. in round three, that to me, for a little bit lesser of a player, I'd rather go that route. I understand that. I understand that entirely. Yeah. That's that's a significant difference than what I thought based on yeah. looking at your rankings. Um, yep. and, and then let me ask about one more thing before, and I really appreciate the time. Eric Edholm with Yahoo, sure. Yahoo Sports is with us here on GCR. The cornerbacks, because the Ravens absolutely, as we see, they just spent a bunch of money on Marcus Williams. They continue to sort of say, we're building outside in in terms of how we think defenses should be, and there's plenty of debate to be right. had about that, but they've made it abundantly clear. And despite the fact that they appear to have you know, two starting cornerbacks coming back from injury next year, it still I don't think it would surprise much of anyone if they said, yeah, but we, it can't hurt us to have another you mm-hmm. you certainly seem to be high on Sauce Gardner, but a lot of people yep. say, hey, look, the first three, four cornerbacks in this draft, they're all really good. It seems like 
I'm, I'm, can I assume that you think there's a bit more separation? You're, you definitely don't seem to be as high on Trent McDuffie as a lot of people do. Um, that there's maybe more of a drop off to the next, you know, the, even the Stingleys, even the the Andrew Booths of the world. How many of the corners would you actually be comfortable with around 14? Yeah, I think it, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, every team seems to have a different opinion on Stingley. If you watch his 2019 tape, and you know, some people have even gotten into the practice tape of him going up against Jamar Chase and watched how competitive those guys were and how evenly matched they were you know I mean that 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 was the talk I had a buddy who was on the previous staff at at LSU and he said I wish you could watch these guys battle and practice it's really like must see you know TV I guess but you know what I mean like it was and at that point the assumption was well both of these guys are going to be you know top five selections in the draft there's no question about it they're just special they're unicorns right Uh, but we haven't seen that from Stingley the last two years so injuries and uh, you know, some sluggish play, no interceptions, no real big playmaking, some business decisions on tackles, things like that. Uh, the UCLA game to me wasn't all that pretty. I mean, it just, there were a few examples where you say, all right, would I spend a top 20 pick on this guy now? Mm. So there's a lot of, you know, back and forth in, in rooms about, you know, do we trust the tape? Do we believe he'll bounce back? There was some character stuff that had to be checked on. I don't think he's a bad kid. I think he's just, you know, maturity stuff and whatever. And then you get into the question of, all right, Trent McDuffie, outstanding player. Temperament is exactly what you want. He's feisty. He looks like one of those undersized Washington DBs like Buda Baker. And um, who was the kid who went to the Titans last year? I'm blanking. But, yeah, I mean, they've had a like that kind of guy almost every year. The question is, like, how comfortable are you with 29 and three quarters inch arm length? That's really short by NFL standards. He's probably a slot. So then it becomes, okay, how much do we value a, a slot corner and where do they factor in the draft? Question. So that's just tough. I mean, they, there's, there's a lot of ability in all those guys. Andrew Booth in a couple of years could be really good, but it's just kind of weighing the, the pros and cons at those spots. By the way, it's Elijah Molden, and I couldn't think of it. Elijah Molden, yeah, thank that's, you. I that's the one. His name, uh, yeah. blind, I did too, and you, I'm like, I know I know it. It's Elijah Molden. Yeah. Eric Edholm, what can I plug for you, man? Um, everybody's got about a billion things. I know it's on Twitter, at <laughs> Eric Underhol, uh, underscore Edholm. Easy for me to say. <laughs> uh, what else can I plug for you? Well, I, I I know nobody else has it out there, but I've got a mock draft coming. It's this thing where I predict Whoa. who's going to get picked where. I know. Whoa, really you might be onto something. <laughs> I know. I thought I thought so too. So I just published it, first ever done on the internet, and it's uh, I think going up in about I don't know thirty seconds or so. so. Excellent. We will check for that at Yahoo Sports. <laughs> Eric, always appreciate the time. Let's do this again before the draft, man. Yeah, I'll, always looking a, forward to it. Really enjoy chatting with you, my friend. All right, buddy. Thank hey. you. Eric Edholm, check in with us for this week or this week's draft segment. Anyway, as uh, we get ready, we're only a couple of weeks away. When we come back in. We're gonna talk some soccer with Taylor Twelman, former Terps and U.S. star. That's next, Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip, that first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore Police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. Baseball is back. I'm Paul Valley and I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball. Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. That's the bat around live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. It's been a little while since we last caught up with our next guest. Of course, a former Maryland men's soccer star and went on to play for the U.S. national team. And now he is an outstanding analyst on ESPN. Got a lot to talk about with him. He is Taylor Twelman, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Taylor, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It's great to catch up with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. No problem. How are you guys doing? We're all right. Uh, certainly better than we were about four years ago around this time. Um, yeah. I, rem- I remember our show that morning, and I was reminded of, of your reaction live on air on that particular night. I-, I know that I don't think anybody feels like, overwhelmingly great about where the U.S. men's program is, but obviously it's in a far better place than it was four years ago at this point. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can qualify for a World Cup. Listen, everyone in this conversation that happens about where you finish in qualifying, no one really really remembers. You you qualify for the World Cup or you don't. Portugal has needed three playoffs in the last four World Cups to get in, and they've got one of the greatest players of all time in Ronaldo. So it happens. You just got to get in, and that's what made the debacle of 2017 so great and so big because there was no excuses that you don't that you can't qualify in Concacaf, 
And while it was a little anticlimactic last night, losing 2-0 in a place that the United States still have never won a World Cup qualifier for the men, you're still in. You still qualified, which was the task at hand. And while there are a few bumps in the road, fact is in about 220-some-odd days, the United States is going to be back in where they belong, and that's playing in the World Cup. Where are we with the fact that the U.S. struggles to score on the road? I mean, like, I... It's, is it just an anomaly, Taylor, or is there something to it that – I know they're not going to be true road games in the World Cup, right? Like, it doesn't work that way, but it, we can't shake how weird it is, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, it, it, there's obviously something there, whether it's a mental block or whatnot, who knows, because this is a generation that doesn't have any real scars, right? You know, other than Christian Pulisic, Kellen Acosta – DeAndre Yedlin, and then you throw in Paul Ario. Those are the only four that were on the roster last night that were part of 2017, and only one of those is part of the younger generation. And so I, I, I don't know. I think the number nine position is still a major question mark. I said it almost two years ago, took a lot of criticism on Twitter, and I'll sit here and tell you, am I wrong? The answer is no. Mm-hmm. You know, the number nine position is a major, major talking point mm-hmm. for Greg Berhalter because scoring goals is a problem when you have – a real diverse collection of wingers now and attacking players to supplement that, uh, that's going to be a concern for Greg over the next 200 days. All right, uh, let me get one on you about, because we got one Maryland guy that we're dealing with, it's Zach Steffen. Uh, I know it wasn't a great night for him last night. Is this is It's nice to have good goalies, right? Like It's nice that it's not just one guy, and, and the U.S. has multiple good goalies. Should Zach Steffen be the incumbent should he be the favorite to be the starter in cutter no okay no and i've been i i was on the record coming into this camp that ethan horvath should have been the starter because he was playing listen for the american sport listener that isn't really used to soccer and conversation let me compare it to you this way your goalkeeper is your quarterback in the sense that you have to have games you have to be in form you have to be consistently playing especially for the United States. And look at last night's game against Costa Rica. Kaylor Navas is the only reason why Costa Rica's in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Because of the amount of saves. And when you go really dive in into the weeds and look at the expected goals differential, he has literally saved 11 goals against for Costa Rica. That's on the analytics. That's the nerds telling us what that is. So net Kaylor Navas, single-handedly can win you games. Tim Howard, Casey Keller, Brad Friedel, Tony Miola. I can go up and down the list yep. for the last 20-some-odd years. The United States have had that. Zach Steffen isn't a foregone conclusion. He's the number one. He looks rusty. He looks unsure of himself. Matt Turner's now making the move to Arsenal. If he's not playing regularly, what does Ethan Horvath do? Where is Sean Johnson? Goalkeeper's number two biggest issue going into the World Cup because you want to make sure – You've got players playing and confident, and right now, for the first time in a long time, going into a major tournament, the United States, as of today, that may change, does not have a starting goalkeeper. Boy, I understand what you're saying, and I'm, I get it entirely. It's, it's just tough for us to hear because we're Maryland. You know, you know how it is, Taylor. We, we, we want to root for a Terp to be involved. It's yeah, just the well, nature. Put it this of the... way: if Stefan starts playing 15 games or so consistently for Manchester City, or sure. if he says for some weird reason he wants to go on loan yep. before the tournament, then I'm all in. Right. I've seen Zach Stefan for the Columbus Crew playing consistently, win you games. 
I just haven't seen that in a long time because he's not playing regularly. That's a very fair point. It's an extraordinarily fair point. All right, he's Taylor Twelman. He's with us here in Glen Clark Radio. Taylor, a big part of the reason we wanted to chat with you this morning is we've seen how vocal you are. We've we've been talking with Sasho for years about what, what, what we're now calling the 21st century model and his proposed schedule change for college soccer, and it's drastic and you know it's it's kind of shocking. Uh, the idea of literally pausing a season and then restarting it, and it's the same season. We just don't see that occur in American sports. Why, to you, is this the best thing moving forward for the concept of college soccer? Because the NCAA, the NCAA has literally looked at this, guys, at soccer, and it hasn't changed since 1960. It is more barbaric than any treatment of athletes both men and women every other sport and i can give you examples and you can it's the proof is in the pudding have changed for the better for the better of the sport and development of the student athlete soccer has not it's completely irresponsible from the from the governing body they know it the athletic directors know it and thankfully sasho's got this hair up is behind to change things and it's been taken almost 10 years, it's completely irresponsible from the NCAA. And yet, when you look at it, it's not changing anything other than they're taking a pause. They're spreading out the 134 days. They're allowing the student-athletes, which, by the way, as of today, they play Thursday, Saturdays, Wednesday, Sundays. Mm -hmm. So what happens if you get a concussion? So the welfare of the student-athlete is completely compromised. The development of the student-athlete is completely compromised because you're asking he or she to play 20, 24 games in two and a half months. That's ridiculous. And more so, it kills the competition. You're not getting the best. Sasha and coaches cannot coach. They cannot develop. It's about survival. It's, there's no thriving within this system. And when you look at the nuts and bolts of it, it's not more money. It's nothing other than you're changing the landscape for soccer to thrive. If they don't do this, mark my words, you're going to be calling me in five years, and especially on the men's side, it may be obsolete. Just, it may be a club sport. Right. Because the problem is you are not going to get any 12-year-old right now that is going to do that because there are going to be better options where school is still involved to become the highest, the highest level soccer player you can be, and the NCAA doesn't understand that the infrastructure is completely there to be a huge viable option to develop American soccer players in this country. And I, I, have, a, I have a bad feeling in large part because the women and their coaches haven't looked at it and assessed it and actually joined. The, I, just, I hope it goes because it works. It will work, more importantly, I should say. And secondly, it just makes common sense. But then again, we're talking about a governing body that maybe common sense is a little that, too far from them. That's not unfair. That is not even remotely unfair. Taylor, let me, let me follow up on a couple. First of all, for those who don't know, the vote is coming up on April 13th about the 21st century model. Um, you referenced in there, by the way, I mean, we already see this at the high school level, right? Like how many high-level kids don't play high school soccer because they're, they're playing club soccer, right? So why wouldn't you just keep doing that? Um, and if I could follow up, and please forgive my ignorance, right, and, and what I don't know about this, Taylor. A, a couple years ago when COVID hit, there was a question yep. about moving college football to the spring. And, yep. I, and I said then, you can't do that. The nope. You won't have your players. They're going to depart because they've got to get ready for what they're going to do next. They can't 
they can't participate in the spring. So you won't have Trevor Lawrence, and you won't have all of the guys that you'd want to tune in to watch because they got to get ready to go pro. Is there an impact on how this involves, like, you know, a, a kid like Ben Bender a year ago who was the number one pick in the Super Draft? Is there an impact on this for the kids as far as their no. ability to transition? Nope, there's not. Okay. I mean, first off, you can't change football, not soccer. You can't change college football because it's ingrained in the culture, right? So it's a fall sport ending with the bowl games right after the New Year right. or before the New Year. So you can't change that because mainly it's in the culture. You're not going to change the culture of the sport. Soccer is meant around the world. Now, MLS is different, and there's a lot of call for MLS changing their schedule because you do not want the biggest games that you are playing up against the NFL Around the world, the, the most important games, the bigger games, are right around April, and they go all the way through the Memorial Day. University of North Carolina during COVID actually did this because of COVID, and they actually have tangible evidence of the cost, what it did to everything. They actually, it was less than what it was in the fall. Hmm. So, hmm. so to your point, you don't lose anything. The players are there. Secondly, the players that want to still get their college education, that still want to play for a school and play for a student body, you're going to get them because of the main reason is now the coaches are allowed to develop. The coaches are allowed to develop human beings, professionals. The student athletes can thrive. I, I can't ask any student athlete that's played college soccer. It's insane. Yeah. Because for two and a half months you play your season, but what do you do for the other seven months? Spring season? Like, it makes no sense. I understand. Uh, by the way, I, you know, I've been calling soccer at Loyola for the last eight years, and and we've talked about this a ton over there. And you know, I get that at certain institutions there's pushback just because it feels like, well, hey, we've already got resources in the spring. This makes things more difficult on us. But I think your point. I, the other thing that we have to acknowledge is part of it. It's kind of insane to be playing a, a game in Philadelphia for a national championship in December when it's five degrees outside. It's miserable. Like, is that nobody wants to come and watch? The product yep, exactly because it's and it's an insane time for you to be playing for your national championship. Look at what the national championship is for lacrosse. Mm -hmm. I live in Boston. I've been to it many a times. I mean, you're looking at thirty thousand in Gillette Stadium. Mm -hmm. I promise you this: if the if your college cup is in Memorial Day or the weekend before, whenever they're planning this to do with the twenty first century model, soccer specific stadium, any of the MLS stadiums, it's sold out. It's just, it, it, it is what it is. But, but we're, we're, we're forgetting the most important part here. We're asking 17 to 22-year-olds mm -hmm. to play 20-some-odd games in two months. Right. That is asinine. That is completely against how sports should be played, especially a sport when at the highest level you're playing a game at minimum every four days. Champions League, they're not doing this. So... This is where they, the NCAA loses me on this because if your best player gets a concussion on Thursday and he or she need to play Sunday, you think that's properly being assessed? I no, understand. Right. Get out of here. So it, right. it's just, it's honestly, it's it's mind-boggling to me. I I understand what you're saying, Taylor, and and look, I think it, it's it's culture shock, and I think that's part of the, you know how this is. And we don't like change in this country. We're just used to doing things a certain way, and whenever you suggest something that's different, everybody comes back and says no. 
Well, why? Well, because this is what we're used to. <laughs> right, but the definition of insanity is doing the same I, thing over and over, expecting I, a different result. I and I would argue that the NCAA knows exactly what they're getting into, and they know that the right answer is to expand this. But when you have changed every other sport in the last 40 years for the betterment of the sport and for the betterment of the student-athlete, but you looked at men's soccer and women's soccer and said, eh, we don't need that, Lose me with that excuse. I, I, I completely hear you. All right, Taylor, uh, one more for you. It, this will be a successful – this trip to Qatar will be successful if the U.S. can do what? And I know we don't know the draw yet, and so if they get put in a group, a group of death, it could be problematic. But how do we define success in 2022 for the U.S.? The men's? draw's massive, though. We can't remiss the draw, right? So, like, if you see a draw that's in your favor, well, then you say win the group and move on and, yeah. and, and see where you go out of that. So – Success always for the United States men is getting out of the group, no matter how you slice it, because the draw is a huge impact. The draw is not an impact for Brazil, France, Germany, because they're favored to win, so they don't care about their draw. Everyone else, including the Englands of the world, you look at your draw. You have to. And so even Argentina is going to look at it and say, wait a minute, I don't want to be in that draw. So that's why this is different. Um, Ask me Friday afternoon when I know the draw. (laughs) But for me, it's always been the round of 16 because the draw then determines who you're playing in the next round. And everyone points to 2002 saying, well, look look at that success of the team. Everyone forgets they played Mexico in the round of 16. Right. The one known quantity. Right. So round of 16 is a given. That's how you determine success. And then everything else – I honestly, it's whipped cream on the cake because you look at it and say, yeah, well, what was the draw? Do you play Belgium and Tim Howard has to make 6,000 saves? Or do you play Mexico where you know they're quite, you know who they are and you're like, you know what, we're expected to win. I, I still, it's tough. I still treat Chris Wondolowski's name as a curse word, and that's unfair because he was a hell of a player, but I'll never forget that opportunity that. that he had. I'll never. Tim, Tim Howard makes 18 saves right. or whatever the World Cup record is, yep. and it comes down to one chance. Oh, and if they, if he scores that, this is the the salt on the wound. They play Messi on July 4th in the World Cup quarterfinal. Oh, that would have done 40 million viewers in this country. The reminder, the reminder is pain. I yeah. literally just got a chill, Taylor. That was eight years ago, said. by the way. Oh, God. Hey, uh, Taylor, I want to give you an opportunity to, to talk up uh, Think Taylor and Twelman Soccer and, and whatever else we can plug for you that you've got going on. You do so many wonderful things. Oh, no, no problem, dude. Uh, Think Taylor is just uh, – I'm changing the, uh, the message around – the social impact regarding TBIs and sports, and um, just thinktaylor.org and support the cause, and anything you guys can do would be great. I appreciate that. You can find it on Twitter, at thinktaylor.org, to find out more. Taylor Twelman, really appreciate you taking a couple minutes for us this morning. Interesting to see how this plays out with the NCAA. I understand your skepticism, uh, but really enjoy the conversation as always, and it's incredible to see you continue to kill it, man. You're so good at what it is that you do, brother. Appreciate you spending a couple minutes with us. Go Terps, my man. Go Terps. Thanks, dude. Taylor Twelman, great chat. At Taylor Twelman on Twitter is how you can follow him. I... Uh, let me follow a couple. Th- Paul, I get your point. Paul says, I don't agree with Taylor at all about Stefan. He practices against the best players in the world every day at Man City with the best coach in the world, Pep Guardiola, and his expectations. I'll take that over playing games every week for Columbus crew. I don't think Taylor was suggesting the loan should go back to Columbus necessarily. I know he referenced, you know, hey, I, I've seen him play that well for Columbus. I just wonder if there's someone else, somewhere else he could be loaned to. I, I get 
the point. The point being, I'm going into the World Cup. I want the guy starting for me to be someone who has been playing, who has been building up confidence, who's riding high coming into that point. And for everything that being at Man City does for Zach Steffen, I get where Taylor Twelman's coming from, which is what it can't do is give him that sort of game confidence. Now, is there some sort of mathematical equation that proves that one is better than the other? Of course not. Of course there isn't. But I understand the point, and I probably line up with it a little bit. I probably tend to agree that going into the World Cup, I would prefer that my goalie be getting serious and in heat game action because, like, Man City can play, you know, these sort of exhibition matches over the summer, and Zach Steffen can play in those, but they're irrelevant. They're in heat. They're not in heat. They don't matter, right? Like, there's no risk involved if you screw up. If you screw up, who cares? Everybody still collects their check. You made your world tour. All's good. You need to be in situations where there's an amount of pressure involved with screwing up. And you can have the eternal, you know, is it better to be in MLS versus to be on the bench? Like, that's an eternal debate that we can continue to have. But I think specifically for something as important as your World Cup goalie, and especially given this U.S. team's struggles to score, I get where Taylor Twelman is coming from. I understand the argument. I think Zach Steffen's a, a really good goalie. I think he's an outstanding goalie. But... I know. I know I know what he means. I know what he means by the need to sort of be put in those types of spots. All right. Uh, today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. It was pointed out to me earlier. Uh, by uh, Jama. Jama, I apologize, man. I don't know how you pronounce your name. Tell me that. Let me know that at some point. Um, because I enjoy our conversations, and he and I go back and forth regularly. It was pointed out to me that the numbers that SpotTrack threw out were not the exclusive rights franchise tag numbers. And that's fair. The likeliest scenario is still probably they would go that route. There, this is an interesting spot, right, that we're talking about. We're really talking about playing with fire here. Because the Ravens, the question would become, if if the game for Lamar Jackson really is seven years free agency come hell or high water, then they've got to think about how they want to play the game. And do they want to just go all in for those next three years? And then if Lamar walks in free agency, so be it. Do they want to maybe play the game for this year and then start thinking about a trade after that if they can't sign him, knowing the two tags allow there to still be value? There are so many layers to this if Lamar Jackson really won't. Even if it really is about what Greg Rosenthal was talking about yesterday, which is forcing his way to free agency, then the Ravens have to respond in turn. And the answer from somebody is, well, you got to trade him. Okay, but when? 
Because I do think that also impacts which tag you give him. Because it could very well be for the first year, you give him the exclusive rights because you want to make sure that nobody else gives up two first-round picks to get him. But by the time you get to the final year, if everyone knows that Lamar Jackson won't sign, by the time you're talking about year seven, if everyone knows he refuses, he's just going to free agency come hell or high water, then are you really giving him an exclusive rights tag the second year? Or at that point, you say, no, we're just going to do a regular tag. And if somebody wants to give up two first-round picks for one year of Lamar Jackson, we'll do that because we don't know that we can do better in a trade than two first-round picks for Lamar Jackson if the acquiring team knows that Lamar Jackson has made it abundantly clear, I'm going to free agency. You're only getting me for one year. So it complicates how we look at these figures. Because we're sitting back and saying, well, obviously they're going to give them two exclusive rights tags. Well, let's think about that. You're saying that because you think Lamar Jackson is worth more than two first-round picks because Deshaun Watson was just traded for three. And on paper, that sounds correct. But why are we in the franchise tag conversation to begin with? We're in that conversation because we're predicating this on the idea. The question, what I've presented is, is it better for Lamar Jackson to force his way to free agency? And I'm saying based on the fact that he can only make $23 million this year, and the fact that he has all the leverage anyway, no, it's not. It's just not. You can, you can become a free agent now. But if the argument is, well, you know, you're looking at the wrong numbers and it's really not that much of a disparity for him, plus he gets to control his narrative, well, we got to figure out what that disparity is. And if he's forcing his way to seven years in free agency, the, the point about there being, there will never be a third tag. That will not occur. There will not be a third franchise tag. The number is so wildly insane that no one is going to do that. But if the point is, I'm going to force my way to seven years and free agency, then at some point in there, the Ravens have to look at the value of the asset. And they could still choose to just say, now we're better with Lamar Jackson. We're going to ride this thing out for as long as we can. Or they could start saying, what is his actual trade value? Again, based off the idea that the acquiring team knows they can't sign him. Because that's how we got to this point. And if that's the case, it might very well be that two first-round picks is his actual value. We need to be honest about that. Deshaun Watson was traded for three first-round picks. Well, they also were able to sign Deshaun Watson. If an acquiring team can't sign the player they're trading for, are they worth more than two first-round picks? Is two years of Lamar Jackson worth more than two first-round picks? I don't know. Again, Lamar Jackson, is he alone worth more than two? Yeah, probably. But two years? If you know it expires in two years, are you definitely giving up more than two first-round picks? Would the Presumably, they've already explored the trade market, and they've got their answer. They know what a team is willing to give up. If they know a team is willing to give up more than that, they've either already made the trade, or then, yeah, you got your answer. They're going to use the exclusive rights-free agent uh, 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 franchise tag. You look at Tampa Bay. With Tom Brady, they got mm -hmm. two years. Now they're getting a third year unless they trade him. Um, they got that out of Tom Brady. There's a then, weird response to that. Like, I, I think 
there is the belief that Tom Brady was okay with Bruce Arians moving mm-hmm. on. I think that's the general consensus is that yeah. this doesn't make it more likely for Tom Brady to be dealt somewhere. This makes it more likely that Tom Brady was good with it. I am surprised that some of these guys are signing elsewhere. Like who? Um, what was his name? Um, Roy Jones, Ronald Jones Jr., or Ronald oh, Jones II. Right. Gronkowski right. hasn't signed yet. Um, I, fi- I think that that's a those little... Are, I think those are really unique situations, right? Like, yeah. like Ronald Jones... I, I don't know how hell-bent the Buccaneers are in having Ronald Jones back, right? Like, I, I'm not trying to be dismissive of Ronald Jones, but there's got to be a number for somebody yeah, like that. Yeah, I get like, that. He, he's a really good back who got in the doghouse because he fumbled a couple times. Uh, and he's a good back. He's not a game-changer. He's not a... You can find a Ronald Jones. Mm-hmm. There's a number by which Ronald Jones can be on my team, right? Like, if he really thinks he should be making real money, then that's the type of asset that you move on from because you need to to put more significant value in other positions on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, the Gronk thing, that comes off way more. I don't think there's any world in Robert Gronkowski's playing for Chicago next season. Right. I think that, but I think I, that, that maybe he's waiting to see what, what Tom Brady ultimately does, and that's why he hasn't signed yet. It's either I'm playing with Tom Brady or I'm not playing at all. And what if he does get traded and I've already agreed to a contract I mean, to Tampa Bay? Maybe. It's, it would be very surprising to me. The fact that Tom Brady so quickly went to work in recruiting Ryan Jensen after mm-hmm. he made his announcement. That's, good, that's true. I, I, I just don't think – I think that we're trying to create smoke, right, because it's more exciting to create smoke. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there actually is any smoke right. there. But my, my overall point is mm-hmm. if you ask Tampa Bay – in hindsight, would you have given up two first-round picks for what you got the last oh, two yeah. years? I think they, they, they probably you can guarantee would have. a Super Bowl out of it. But yeah. I, I, I still think it's tricky to see a team give up more than. Again, we're talking about in order to acquire a player who signed the lower-level franchise tag, mm-hmm. you'd have to give up two first-round picks, right? Right. In order to do that, we'd be talking about. The idea, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking, that, I'm trying to think this through as I'm saying it, right? Like, I, this is a very difficult thing where I'm thinking and talking at the exact same time. and it, <laughs> I that, struggle with that it myself. It doesn't always go well. I don't know that if you, if you tag him for an exclusive rights, I don't know at that point, given the price that a team would have to pay, that you can do better than two first-round picks. Mm-hmm. And again, maybe the first time you can. Maybe the first tag, the thought is, yeah, a team would really want to give up two first-round picks, and we really want to do this for one more year. But particularly the second time around, when you're getting into year seven, and you're talking about a number um, that's more like... That's more like uh, fifty-two million dollars. That all is coming off in one hit. I don't know that for one year of Lamar Jackson, there's any chance you're doing better than two first-round picks. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think that's the case for any player. So I would almost say at that point that you're less likely to do the exclusive rights tag the second time around. And more like, unless, again, you think there's some ambiguity about whether or not he will sign. But mm-hmm. if there's ambiguity about whether or not he will sign, why isn't he signed now? That's the, the problem with all of this. We're predicating it around the idea that Lamar absolutely, 100%, 
wants to get the free agency. Because mm-hmm. that's the only reason why any of this conversation makes any sense. Which would go against the grain of what he said yesterday. No, yeah. yeah, he just says he loves Baltimore. He wants to be in Baltimore. But again, not all of these things can be true. We, we've got so no, many things true. that are out there. The, the truth, you, can't, you cannot massage this to make it all true. Mm-hmm. Something has to be a little off. And that a little off could be just this weird, I want to win a Super Bowl thing. Mm-hmm. And it makes no sense, but it's a little off. It could, I, I, I don't, something is amiss with all of this. Because I keep saying you can't make it make sense. I got to finish this. I've been sitting on, um, I, guys. Those of you that asked, I'm still a day away from telling you more about the the guest that we missed on. If we get to tomorrow and there's no further update, I will not let the weekend without explaining the situation to you. All right, I'm not going to get through the end of the week, but just because it's gotten a little bit of attention. You guys have asked me about it. I won't allow the week to end without having covered it and informed you. And, and frankly, it might, you know, I don't know, it, it might impact some of the news that we've discussed this week in some sort of way. So I do think it's worthy of sharing with you. I just want to give it one more day before we do that. So I promise you that conversation will come um, on tomorrow's program. Today is the final day that you can take advantage of Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu. This is it. Speak now or forever hold your pee. Got to go right now. Your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, glorydaysgrill.com. Get your order in. Enjoy the Reuben, the Rachel, the shepherd's pie with the Guinness braised beef. Enjoy the Guinness thigh wings. But if you don't do it today, you don't get to be mad at me. I warned you to come tomorrow is gone. Gone, daddy, gone. The love is gone. Get to your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Get your order in. GloryDaysGrill.com. It is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. 
Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, it's been a busy week for our buddy Stan the Fan. Earlier in the week, he uh, caught up with Todd Karpovich, Pressbox Orioles beat writer. He also had a good conversation with CIAA Commissioner Jackie McWilliams. Those are already available at Facebook.com slash Sports. Click on the Videos tab or go to PressBoxOnline.com slash video, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. You can find them there. And uh, we also uh, did our uh, new weekly feature, One More Thing, yesterday, Stan and I. And then today, later on tonight, Stan's going to catch up with Baltimore Blast head coach David Bascom. He's got a book coming out. Paul Mittermeyer was telling us about it the other day. I, I did not know all of David Bascom's story. It is um, – there's there's some darkness there. Um, and, and he's kind of opening up about it and – um, I think it's going to be a really unique conversation that Stan and Gary Stein are going to have with Baltimore Blast coach David Bascom tonight on Facebook Live, facebook.com slash sports if you want to check that out. All right, I've been sitting on a finish this for a couple of days, so I hope that you have not uh, seen it anywhere. This is always my nervousness. I can guarantee I haven't seen it. You say that. You say that. Again, I've been trying to purposely avoid anything that uh, Jeremy Kahn shares on Twitter because, um, you know, I, I just, I think that a lot of people follow Jeremy Kahn, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think most of us do. So I try to avoid the ones that he shares out. And because he does his World of Stupid segment, he shares a lot of these things out that would otherwise, I, I regularly get something sent to me by somebody who's like, this would make a good finish, this. And I'm like, you're right, it would. And I can't do it because Jeremy already shared it. That son of a bitch. Instead... This is a news story that comes to us from the Associated Press. Um, a Oh, God, there's so much here. I just want to read through the entire tweet, but there may be all many, too many blanks. A Nebraska blank, two words, named Bruce, blanked, after he oh, um, after he said that blanks are blanking 
God. It's too much. There's no way. This actually make it great, though. Are blanking blanks, and that's two words with the second word being plural. Okay? A Nebraska blank, two words, named Bruce, blanked after he said that blanks are blanking blanks, but that is two words, all right? Oh, God. In blanks. I'm sorry. <laughs> to accommodate. To accommodate. I'll start filling in some of these blanks quickly. I won't make you go. I'll make you go through the full thing one time, and then I'll, we'll start working on filling in some blanks. To accommodate blanks. Who blank as blanks. I'm sorry. It's a lot of blanks. It's so many. It's so many. But it's so everything about this. <laughs> everything about this. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Nebraska blank two words named break named Bruce, Bruce blanked, blanked after, after he, he said, said that blanks are blanking blanks, blanks two words blanks to accommodate blanks who blank as blanks. Yes. I know. There's a lot there. A Nebraska Cornhusker named uh-huh. Bruce. I think technically Cornhusker might be one word, but we'll just roll with it because we're here. We, we don't want to be here too long. Cried after he said that girls are posing. No, that's not right. Um, said that girls are posing boys in dresses to I mean, accommodate. That, that, that blank is two words. Or blanking blanks. But right. that blanks is two words. Oh, oh, oh that. Yeah, that, that's yeah. blank. Blank blanks. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Otherwise, I think you're going to get it. I just want you to know that I think is going to end up being the difference for you. I think you're going to get it. Okay. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> ah, all right. So I know it's not corn husker. So, well, uh, uh, Nebraska store clerk named Bruce cried after he said that co eds are posing their friends in dresses to accommodate. Guys who identify as girls. Identify is correct. You got identify. You got that part. Everything else you're off, but you got one. And I got to tell you, that ain't bad. That's two straight that I've gotten one on the first guess. It's one out of 12, but it's still one more than I thought you were going to get here. It's one more than I thought you were going to end up getting. And that means that we don't have to give you one more. You got something to work with. You can start trying to figure this out. A Nebraska blank blank named Bruce blanked after he said that blanks are blanking blank blanks in blanks to accommodate blanks who identify as blanks. A Nebraska... Vet owner named Bruce... Mm-hmm. Laughed after he said that. Are mm-hmm. any of these words the same? Uh, no. no. Okay. Nope. Mm-hmm. Just keep going. Just work your way through it. A Nebraska vet owner named Bruce laughed after he said that. Again, you're trying to make it make sense. Yeah. Don't make it make sense. Just yeah, but I can't just, even make it not make sense in my just, mind. My, my just brain just ride. Fried. Just ride. I want to say to accommodate cats who identify as dogs. I'm. I'm. What I'm going to give you is that cats is the last word. So, so blanks who identify as cats. So I'm going to give you 
a point here. You didn't have it in the right spot, but you got the right word. Blanks who identify as cats. The, I mean, Nebraska playwright named Bruce. Mm-hmm. I think playwright also one word, but we'll just roll with it. Roll with it. Damn it. I don't know. I, I think, think I think I think you're right also. Yeah, we'll just roll with it. The Nebraska playwright named Bruce uh, scoffed after he said that patrons are bringing uh, firework fireworks is one word also. Bringing in is hot dogs one word? Uh I think hot dogs is technically two words. All right. Yeah. Are bringing hot dogs in suitcases to accommodate pigs who identify as cats. All right, give me a number one to nine. Um, one, two, three, four. Four. One, two, three, four. Schools. A Nebraska blank blank named Bruce blanked after he said that schools are blanking blank blanks in blanks to accommodate blanks who identify as cats. A Nebraska superintendent named Bruce. I believe also one word, my friend. That I is one word. It's also one that word. That is one word. <laughs> yeah. My brain's not firing it's okay. on all cylinders It's today. okay. It's a Zyrtec I took. Ah, damn Zyrtec. Um, all right. A Nebraska vice principal okay. named Bruce. Uh-huh. Um, bellowed after he said that schools are... Providing safe spaces in bathrooms to accommodate students who identify as cats. You've got bathrooms. That's correct. And I'm going to give you, it's not, I'm, it's kids. But kids and students are basically the same thing, so I'm giving that to you as well. A Nebraska blank blank named Bruce blanked after he said that schools are blanking blank blanks in bathrooms to accommodate kids who identify as cats. And I feel like at this point you actually should start being able to work through it. All right. A Nebraska... So if it's not vice principal, superintendent is one word. I'm assuming it's somebody who works at the school? Just, just, just keep going. A Nebraska homeroom teacher named Bruce... Mm-hmm. Retired after mm-hmm. he said that schools are making are leaving litter boxes in bathrooms to identify kit to accommodate kids who identify as you cats. got litter boxes and I'm giving it was just placing so it's the same as what you said a Nebraska blank blank named Bruce blanked after he said that schools are placing litter boxes in bathrooms to accommodate kids who identify as cats you've really gotten all of the good part of this mm-hmm. so I'll just give you the rest it's a Nebraska state senator named Bruce, who apologized after he shared this insane theory that kids are uh, identifying as cats and need litter boxes in their bathrooms. Here is the story from the AP. The uh, gentleman's name is uh, Bruce Bostelman, a Nebraska state senator, has apologized on Monday after he publicly cited a persistent but debunked rumor alleging that schools are placing litter boxes in school bathrooms to accommodate children who self-identify as cats. He repeated the false claim during a public televised debate on a bill intended to help school children who have behavioral problems. His comments quickly went viral, with one Twitter video garnering more than 300,000 views as of Monday afternoon and drew an onslaught of online criticism and ridicule. 
Bostelman initially said he was shocked when he heard stories that children were dressing as cats and dogs while at school with claims that schools were accommodating them with litter boxes. This is a quote from Bostelman. They meow. I got to. What, what do people sound like in Nebraska? What's a Midwestern? Oh, my. Is it more no like Minnesota? Is I, I, wanna, more like, I feel like it's Minnesota, hey, but. How, I, I can't. I haven't done a Fargo. I have in, no I haven't, clue. I haven't done a, I haven't attempted a Fargo in a long time. They meow and they bark and they interact with their teachers in this fashion. And now schools are wanting to put litter boxes in the schools for these children to use. How is this sanitary? Our pets' heads are falling off. You ask a great question, Bruce. How is it sanitary? I mean, other than the fact that it ain't real, how so, would it be sanitary? So it wasn't a what's next litter box. It was a they're doing this, but they weren't. No, this is this was a group of nut jobs. And look, man, I, whatever your opinion is about identification, all that, it's not that's not for me to have. But this is what happens, right? In order to try to force our opinions upon someone else the truth no longer matters. Mm-hmm. This exists throughout society. This is not unique to the to people on one political team or another p- political team. It's not unique. To, my, my wife does this when she debate. My wife and I have a debate, right? We're currently having a debate about where we're putting it. We, I, we need a new recycling bin because we've had four consecutive recycling bins destroyed. All right? It, it's, How? Our, we are so far off the, away from the curb where our house is because we live on a farm. We're so far away that... Um, wind is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And whenever there's any wind at all, it whips. Our recycling bin will end up a mile down the street. Oh, gotcha. We, it, it goes forever because they come at one in the morning and then they set it back down and before any of us can go back out to get it, it's blown away. They there's, come at one no, in the they morning? Come at one in the morning. They come at one. I hear them regularly and I'm like, well, I should probably just go out now and get the recycling bin. But again, it's so far away from my house. The idea of getting dressed again, putting on a coat, all that sort of stuff, it's just overwhelming to me. And then when I wake up in the morning and see that this right recycling bin has been destroyed, I'm like, right, yeah. Definitely should have gone out Our at one in the morning when I heard them come. come at either 7 a.m. or 3 Yes, that's a reasonable time, isn't it? It's what, a really reasonable time this? for that. This is the way it works in northern Baltimore County, my dude. This is the way it goes. So we're having this debate because I said, enough. We have to get a giant trash can like recycling bin something that cannot be destroyed we can no longer continue because i bought things they said were heavy duty recycling bins mm-hmm. if they ain't heavy duty i promise you that plus keep in mind these people that are involved no effect they don't care they're just tossing these things they don't give a rat's ass about your recycling bin right so we have to combat it by getting the biggest thing we possibly can she said that's fine but we're keeping it outside now, our garage is not attached to our house. Our garage, again, we live on a farm. It's a very unique circumstance. Our garage is also, if you were going to take recycling out to a bin outside, then when it's cold, you're going to have to put a coat on. There's no world in which we can just go out to the garage and put it in a recycling bin out there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we actually have to walk to the garage in order to put it there. So I said, this is nuts. You want to do the recycling, you can. I'm telling you, if I'm doing the recycling... We need to get a giant bin that we keep in our back room, our mud room, if you will. It's the the onboarding room for the house, right? Where you take your shoes off, you take your coat off, the whole deal. Right. We got a little room. It's also combined with our laundry room. It's on the back side of our house, and it's where we typically come in. We never use our front door. We use that door, right? So that's my deal. Is we're gonna put a recycling bin back there. She doesn't that that, and instead she just goes to the next step. She just says, I, I don't know anybody who does that. I've never I've never seen anything like that. And you've never looked. Like, you've never, 
no one has ever thought about this in their life. <laughs> no one has ever looked around at another person's house and said, what does their mudroom look like? Where's that recycling bin of theirs? I need to figure out what's going on here. But she just jumps to that because it's more important to her to win the argument than what actual facts are. She has no bloody clue where anyone keeps their recycling bin. <laughs> Who would know that about anyone else's house? When have you, how frequently would you have to be at someone's house to be intimately aware of their recycling situation? Pretty much daily. I mean, every day. Yeah. Every day. <laughs> it could be your best friend who you visit once every couple of weeks. You don't have a damn clue what their recycling I have bin situation no is. No idea where my best friend Adam's recycling bin is. How would I'm you? Assuming it's in this garage. Why it could be in this basement? Why I have no would idea. anyone know that? Again, it's fair to make a. I think that's where they keep it because that's where most people keep things. But like, I don't know that because how would I? I'm not going to someone else's. But that's the point. The point is, facts don't matter. What I want and what my opinion is is what matters. So facts be <laughs> damned. In the case of my wife, who I love, and make that abundantly clear, it's it's a. I'm just going to say something. So, no, I've never known anyone who does that. You have no idea. <laughs> she does this I, all the time. I do that. Yeah, you yeah. were at we my wedding. We <laughs> like it's insane. But that's the way the world works now. It's, it's irrelevant whether something is true or not. It's just I've got a narrative. I, in her case, I don't want a giant trash bin in our mudroom. So it's more important to me that I say anything to try to win the argument mm -hmm. than it is that I speak in fact. And for this particular gentleman... And there, the group this uh, this did this story says it comes from a, a Facebook group called Protect Nebraska Children, and I think you can guess what they're trying to push. That it's m more important to them that they say things like schools are crazy; they're letting kids do anything, than it is what's actually fact or not. To the point that they're willing to make up a story that 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 schools are putting litter boxes in bathrooms. They Can will go imagine? that length because it's more important to them that they try to force the idea that schools are a problem and that the parents need to have more control of the schools or whatever it is than in actually dealing in fact. Mm. Because fact, be damned. And again, it's not unique. Somebody's probably hearing that and saying, you're saying that this is about... Uh, it's on all sides. Of the, I don't care what your political persuasions are. Everyone does this. We all operate in the place where it's more important that our opinion than what actual fact is. And so that's how things like this occur. And old Brucey thinks that they're doing litter boxes and bathrooms. Okay, Chief. Okay. Let's roll with that. Uh, um, continue to have this conversation. I, I can't I can't escape the uh, the Lamar Jackson stuff. Um from TC. Trade value goes nowhere but down. Started when teams started filling quarterback spots. At this point, it's either trade now, hoping someone like Carolina offers a haul or budget around the option tag tag and then pony up. But if you're going to pony up then, why don't you pony? I don't get this. If the problem is the Ravens, in no way does this behoove. Once the Ravens say, this is what we're willing to pay for a quarterback... There's no debate any longer. They're willing to pay it. This idea, the reason why, we always bring up Kirk Cousins. The reason why this happened was very clear. 
Washington wasn't willing to pay that amount for Kirk Cousins. Which was insane, because they were literally already paying it. They were already paying it to him via a franchise tag, and yet they weren't willing to actually pay it. It's bonkers. It's badass. It's why comparing anything to Kirk Cousins makes no sense. There are some times where something truly is just an anomaly. What happened with Kirk Cousins in Washington is truly an anomaly. Now, somebody else might say, well, it was smart for them to not do that because Kirk Cousins isn't really worth that money long term. Well, then why was he worth it in the seasons they tagged him? They said he was worth the money and then didn't pay it after they said he was worth it. It's nuts. Somebody's got to throw the football. That's a going rate. You already got If that. you're willing to tag somebody and pay them that amount of money, it's better for you to do the long-term deal because you can at least move the money around instead of having it be a one-time. This is, there's no way in which it makes sense for the Ravens to do this. Again, the Lamar Jackson side of things, the only reason why it makes sense is if for whatever reason he thinks he needs to get the free agency, which I continue to say doesn't make sense. We are, we are trying to come up with some insane level of qualifications where, yeah, but none of it makes sense. I, I always, just skip ahead. This is, I, this is where I am in my life. Let's not argue. Let's not fight. Let's just skip ahead. Let's put all of our cards on the table. Let's stop. We all, how does this end? What is the end game? I do this all the time with like, um, like a, a John Colson, the most worshipful grandmaster, will come to me and say, well, what do you think about this? And my response back will be, do I really have a choice? Like, just let's skip ahead. Skip ahead to the part that matters. What's, 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 let's get to the final part, and let's save everybody all the time in the process and get to that. Skip to that part. I think it's the best thing we could do as a society. I think we waste so much time in debate and in back and forth and in fruitless conversation instead of just, okay, what, what is the end of, who's got the leverage? Like when I deal with John Colson, John's the boss. He runs the company. He likes my input, and so I appreciate that. He comes to me asks me questions. But there are times where I realize it's a stalemate. There's something I don't know that I want to do, but to, for, for, for the reasons of the company, do I have to do it? And if I do, let's just skip ahead. Let's not even bother. I'll tell you I don't like it, but if the answer is I got to do it, I'm going to do it, right? Like, that's the way that it goes. Like, we all deal with this. I used to work at a, 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 there was this radio station that used to exist all those years ago. And it, and there would be this asinine Tuesday morning 10 a.m. meeting. Nothing ever was accomplished. Ever. We literally would make our midday host go off the air for an hour to be a part of it. It was insanity. And I would regularly say, why are we doing this? But at the end, it was very simple. Either you come or we're firing you. Okay. And the conversation ended there. And every time a new person came on, they'd be like, this Tuesday meeting is insane. And I would say, yes, it's the dumbest thing that's ever happened in the history of ever. But we don't have a choice. We've already been through all of it. We've already got our answer. Skip ahead. Skip ahead to the parts that we all know are true. Are you signing or not? If you're not, Let's skip ahead to the other side. If you haven't picked up the print issue of Press Box, it's available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Who you think's calling me from an 838 number? I don't even know where that is. Where's 838? I know. I, now I want to know. I want to know. Area code 838 is in 
Upstate New York. Who do you think's calling me from, uh, like, Rochester? You think there's anything going on there that I need to worry about? Moral of the story being that the print issue of Pressbox is available. Go get it at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox, or read it all, pressboxonline.com. We celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball, winning the national championship. Gary Williams on the cover. Go get it now. All right, we got to get a tidbit. we got to get tubular as we wind down for a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR as we wind down. For a Thursday edition of the program, today's show also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. You can't bet on your phone or on your computer yet in the state of Maryland, but you can 
feel like you're betting with player props and parlays, as well as the daily and weekly traditional uh, fantasy games from Underdog Fantasy Football. Download the Underdog app. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you use the code PRESSBOX and make a deposit up to $100, we'll match it with free money for you to play with. Again, Underdog Fantasy Football. The Underdog app and underdogfantasy.com. A tidbit is brought to you today by Simply the Bets. We do it every Tuesday morning at 11.40 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Simply the Bets with Aaron Oster from VEASAN, Bruce Billick, general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, Try to get you the opportunity to make a little cash during the course of the week. God, I got hosed last night. God, I haven't talked about it. At halftime, I decided because the uh, the Suns were like up by two and I was watching the game because, you know, I'm a Suns fan. I was like, what's the number? The number, the live number was five for them to cover. I'm like, I like that. This, the Warriors have kind of stunk recently. Steph Curry's out. The, the Suns are the best team in basketball. Like five, that's it? I'll play it. They're up three. And got the ball back with a second and a half left. And I was disappointed because I wasn't going to, obviously at that point I knew I was no longer going to get a cover. But I could still get a push. Because you know what the Warriors are going to do. It's a one possession game. You at least mm-hmm. have to go through the mode. You at least have to foul, right? right? Like you at least have to foul, force them to go down, make their free, and give yourself a chance, right? Like who knows? They miss both free, free throws, which never happens in the NBA. But let's just say... Um, you at least have to go through the motions. And they did. They, I think Draymond fouled uh, Michael Bridges with 1.6 seconds left. And he promptly missed the first free throw. Go! God damn! I love Michael Bridges. He's a hell of a player. He's a big part of the reason why this is. But I hate him so much, and I'll never forget him, forgive him. And I, I, I wish horrible things upon the generations that come after Michael Bridges. All I needed to do was hit two free throws, and I get a push. What did you stand to if you had oh, won? I think I made a $50 bet. It wasn't that much. It wasn't significant. But I, I was I was feeling pretty good, and I would have won, I don't know what I would have won, like 60 bucks, something like that. I, but that was already out of the table. Like I, yeah. the, the, the win was off the table at this Plus point. Plus you just get your money back, just, right? Just get my money back. This is just about, now. these are literally $50 free throws for your boy that I'm staring at with Michael Bridges. 12 at night <laughs> and Mike Cal Bridges promptly walks the line because again remember they don't care they don't you never forget the, all they care about is winning so Mike Cal Bridges always going to the line thinking I just gotta make one of these that's it mm-hmm. just gonna make one of these we good right and they make one so he goes up kind of lackadaisical tosses the first one up clank back iron and of course he's focused for the second one because now he knows he's got to make the second one so he's focused and he hits it and it's two possession game game's over and they all celebrate and they high five they got a nice win over the Warriors they're still the number one seed in the NBA they're going to host throughout the playoffs all's good no it's not it's not good Glenn's riding the lightning on $50 not okay I mean what else are you doing at 12 in the morning what else sleeping well it should have been but I was on the bike um, I had a game last night, so I had to work. I had to get. I had to work out late. The moral of the story is that you should get better betting advice by tuning in to Simply the Bets, and also every other Thursday weekend at bookies at 11:40 a.m. All brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. All right. Last night, Bruce Arians announced his retirement from coaching, stepping down as a Buccaneers head coach after three seasons. In his three seasons as head coach of the Bucks, Arians compiled a 31 and 18 record, winning Super Bowl 55 in the process. Overall. Arians is 80-48-1 as a head coach. The 624 winning percentage before he retired was 7th amongst active head coaches. 
Who are the other nine coaches that round up the, round out the top ten? I will give you, you one active coaches. I will give you one hint because one of them is technically still active, but he's not coaching, but he hasn't retired. Well, I mean, if somebody doesn't isn't coaching a team, then they're not active. Right, but he coached the team this year. Okay, so as of last season. As of last season. As of the end of last season, week 17, active coaches. And there's is there a minimum? Is there a... No, like, there's, there's no minimum. There's no minimum. So anybody, it, it could be... Probably the rookie coaches from last year. Eh, neither one of them is... I don't think either Sirianni or Staley is on the list. So all right, let's not. let's just do this. Uh, uh, Tomlin, Tomlin is third, six forty three. How many did you say there were? Uh, there's nine others aside from Arians. Okay. Belichick. Belichick is second, surprisingly, at six seventy. Well, he had some bad years before. That's true. You know, like there were some. The, the Cleveland thing was not great. Uh, do, 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 do. Harbaugh. John Harbaugh is eighth at six oh nine. Pete Carroll. No, he is not even at sixty percent. Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's still a little surprising. Yeah. I guess the, I was surprised. Well, too. but you got to throw in the New England thing too. Like, the, I'm still a little surprised by that. <sighs> is the guy you're thinking of Sean Payton? It is. Okay, well, he's definitely in, by no means active. The, you can't assuage that. But they they, they they had him highlighted as active. Yeah. I guess the assumption he's, is that he's going to coach again. Yeah, but he's definitely there is no world in which he's an active coach. Um, he was tied for fifth with another guy at 631. Matt LaFleur. No. Why wouldn't Matt LaFleur be on the list? He never had a bad season. I don't know. He wasn't on the... That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. You are absolutely correct. All they've done since he took over was win. Like, what am I What am I missing? It may have just been an oversight on, on my part. It may have been oversight. What's Matt LaFleur's career record? Matt LaFleur is 39 and 10. Like, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Matt LaFleur should be one of the highest on this list. I don't I don't know what kind of list this is. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's probably he's got a 79.6% winning percentage. I guess there is a Holy minimum F. because on the list I'm using on football reference, he's not listed. It might there might be a minimum. Okay. Do you know what the minimum is? Yeah, this is a this, this is, is a really kind of screws up. Snafu. Might have to bail on this list, unfortunately. This was a snafu on my part. Yeah, that doesn't that don't work. Yeah. Because I can understand a one year guy not being on the but guy that's been in the league for three years. Yeah, he's I not he's qualify. not even he's not even on this list. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. All right, go ahead and tell me what else was on your list. Um we're gonna have to bail on it. All right. Uh, Sean McVay, number one at 679. Sure. Andy Reid, number four at 633. Yeah, Mike Vrabel tied for fifth at 631. Bruce Arians at 624. Mike McCarthy at 608. And Sean McDermott at 605. It doesn't look like there's a minimum because they have guys on this list who only have one year. I think it was an oversight by the I website. Mean, do they just think that Matt LaFleur quit? <laughs> like, I'm very confused by this whole... Yeah, this is... Um, Unfortunately, it neg- look, I, I mean, I would have gotten those guys because there's only so many head coaches and like I would have gotten to them, but um, I just have to negate them. Yeah, they have Zach that, Taylor on the list. Yeah, he's he's coached for less than Ma- Matt, Ma- LaFleur, Matt LaFleur is on here and is, this is crap. What, what? His winning percentage is 796. Yes. He should be at the very top of the list. Yeah. He's 796. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know. I don't... Damn you, football reference. All right, well, we have to clean that up. I thought it was a good list. It, it would have been a good. It it would have been. 
It would have been a if good I tidbit. If I had Matt LaFleur in there. If only, <laughs> like, again, when something was obvious, it was obvious that Matt LaFleur should have been higher on the list. All they've done is win since he's taken over as the coach. Uh, not in the playoffs, of course, but since he's taken over as the coach, they've had three 13-win seasons. Yeah. Like, I mean, come on, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't get I don't what, they're, what their I don't stipulations are. I don't have are. the answer there. I don't I'm have gonna, the I'm answer I'm going to write there. a strongly worded you should, letter. You should work on that right now. Write a senator. Write a uh, Bruce out in Nebraska. <laughs> Bruce in See Nebraska. what he's got going. These kids oh, are oh. using litter boxes. Matt uh, not on the list. Pro football reference is screwing up. Hey, know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Tubular is brought to you by the Baltimore Police Department. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good, bpdrecruit.org. Here's what's coming up totally tubular-wise. Not a lot tonight. It's kind of a the NIT championship game at 7. Uh, take a while. Who's in the NIT championship game? I have the slightest. Yeah, guess somebody, anybody at all. It's I not. Know, Matt, I, I can tell you who it's not. It's, it's not, not Matt Lafleur. <laughs> I know him. it's not Wake Forest. Um, I, I don't know Texas. Um, A and M. There you go. That's half of it. And the other one is. I know they beat Wake Forest. Um, I don't know Nebraska. It's not Nebraska. It's not. They didn't. They fell a little short. A little short at the end of the day. It's Xavier. Xavier's Xavier. Matchup seven o'clock tonight. And then the college slam dunk and three point championships at nine. That's on ESPN. TNT, Bucks, Nets, 7.30, Lakers, Jazz at 10. ESPN Plus and Hulu, Blue Jackets, Islanders at 7. Golf Channel for round one of the PGA's Texas Open at 4, the final stop before the Masters. Tennis Channel, Miami Open continues at 1. Chirundolo on to the semifinals. I know you're stunned by that. You didn't see that coming whatsoever. Big upset last night as Casper Rude knocked out Alex Varev. Who am I telling? You know that. MLB.tv for Orioles Pirates. Not a free one. You got to have a subscription. One o'clock. Tyler Wells, Zach Thompson, the pitching matchup. MLB Network, Yankees, Phillies at one. Dodgers and Rangers at four. WWE Network for NXT UK at three. Access TV for AEW Dynamite at eight. And uh, our buddy Bruce Cunningham signs off tonight. Tonight is his final night at uh, Fox 45. So they do uh, news at 10 and 11. Those will be his final telecasts before. Uh, his retirement. Congratulations to Bruce. We're supposed to have him in studio. Maybe we'll do that next week. Maybe now that his schedule's sort of settled down, we'll do that next week. But have him come by and hang out with us. Non-sports highlights. Uh, not a lot. Uh, your boy Judd Apatow is on uh, the Tonight Show with and Jimmy Fallon. Famously got into a fight once on yeah. Twitter. And um, welcome to Flatch at 9.30 on Fox. It seems like it might be a funny show. I started watching with the wife last night, I'm Dropout, Amanda Seyfried. Not familiar. Uh, on Hulu. Okay. About this woman who started a company... Um, and it was very fraudulent, and she became a billionaire, and then she it was deposed. And uh, I oh, don't really wait, know. Wait, wait, I thought this was like the 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 Theranos. This it's an it's a take on the Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, it's that's, on the, the Theranos. There yeah, was I, a, there was a doc about it, and this is just a dramatic version. This was a famous story. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about it, so I'm I'm literally watching it from the beginning. In fairness, I actually didn't watch the doc either, for what it's worth. I didn't. I haven't watched either one of these. But Laura, mm-hmm. the wife and I started watching it last night, and it's very good. I, I've enjoyed it to this point. I'm trying to remember what the other one is. So the dropout is, again, the one involving actors. There was yeah. another one that was like two years ago that was um, a documentary. And I'd that's, be interested that's how to watch, she kind of came into prominence. I'd be willing to watch the documentary to see how accurate this show is. I had no idea that Amanda Seyfried is so tiny. Apparently it was called The Inventor Out for Blood in Silicon Valley, and it was on HBO. I'll have to, ch- I'll have to check it out. I'm, I, I, a lot of, it, it got a lot of conversation when it came out, and I 
I just never, I don't know why I never spent any time with it. And then when I saw on Hulu this show, I was like, wait, didn't they already do this? And then I was, it was made aware to me that one was a doc and one was a scripted show. That's the, the difference. The main character, the way that uh, Amanda Seyfried plays her, we all know a girl like this. Like, uh, I got to, I got to watch. I'll, not, I'll not, get there. Maybe not a genius, yeah. but somebody who's really smart and quirky and weird in like a, like doesn't get social cues type yeah. of way. Like we all know somebody like that. I, I really, by the way, I really do like Welcome to Flatch. Um, they did a weird bit. They clearly don't believe in it at all. They put seven episodes up on their on Hulu. Oh, really? They they aired the first episode. At the end of the first episode, they said, and you can watch the next seven right now on Hulu. And I was like, oh, that does not bode well. That yeah. that sounds like a show, and I think I saw that the ratings were, were dreadful. It looked funny to me, it's, but I've never thought, hmm, I want to watch Fox programming at 9.30 on a Thursday night. Um, well, they just don't... I'm trying to think of... This, this is a show that feels like it should be on FX or mm-hmm. FXX, and would fit more with, like, Always Sunny, and two of the cast members were also on this show that I really liked called... Um, you're the worst, which was on FX, which was a very good show. So Aya Cash, who plays the redhead, um, who's kind of the the featured person in this Welcome to Flat show, she was on that show. And then her new love interest was was played this really fascinating character who was both a veteran and homeless on um, You're the Worst, which was a great show and and a dark comedy. Um, this is this is more fun than that this is more mm-hmm. silly sean william scott is in it and plays a priest like yeah it looked I, it looked i like silly it it's, to me. it's very silly it's fun it's they're going for like an office vibe with the way that they do it it's a good show i enjoy it but it's it's kind of hopeless maybe the writing was on the wall to fox and maybe they're making a move to hulu yeah uh, yeah i mean i i think it's more like just not it's just not going to continue unfortunately it's that's the, a shame it's a bummer because i like it i think it's a funny show Anything uh, else? That's oh, there's nothing right, very good. Tubular was also brought to you today by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Don't forget, there's three more NCAA tournament games, and if you register for live rewards or you're already signed up, you make a $50 bet or more on any of those tournament games, including the title game on Monday night, you can register that bet to win a $500 bracket bonus. Ten live rewards members are winning $500 bracket bonuses with their bets on NCAA tournament games. Sign up for live rewards. If you're coming to hang out with us Monday night, uh, myself and Rodney Elliott, then what you can do is just walk right up to the window and say, I want to sign up for live rewards, and they will take care of you in the FanDuel Sportsbook. All right, very good. Thanks today to Taylor Twellman. Thanks also to Ben McDonald, as well as, well as to Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. On the program tomorrow, uh, Mike Tannenbaum, as we mentioned, former NFL GM, thinks Lamar Jackson is brilliant in how he's handling things. We'll allow him to explain. Also coming up on the program tomorrow, we will chat with Ryan McKenna, Orioles outfielder, and uh, I think Moa Du is going to join us. We'll talk, continue the soccer talk with another former Terp who's working with Fox and CBS now. So I believe that's all coming up. Yeah, I think that's all tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, the FanDuel Sportsbook, Underdog Fantasy Football, Blue Line Canine, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter, at Paul Valley the Third. Thanks to Ryan, at Rexpex Ryan is how you follow him. 
Follow us at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter and Instagram. Have a great Thursday night. Go nobody in particular. Go Bruce Cunningham. We love you, buddy. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too.